0: Welcome back, boys and girls, to another episode of K-Fave Comparisons. My name is Mr. Know-It-All, Daniel John Schaefer, and today I am joined once again by the K-Fave crew, my holy trinity. It is Jesse Baker and Wex breaking the loss, and boys, how are we living today?
1: Doing it to it, dude. Can't wait to get into this one. Mania season is always fun, and uh, super excited for... The day this airs, there'll be a little show out there in Centerville, Tennessee, just an hour away from Nashville. Revive Pro Wrestling, me and your boy Wesley calling the action. Ten bucks, the Stables event space. Check it out. Revive Pro Wrestling on Facebook. Once again, just
2: like Jesse said, you know what's going down in Centerville, Tennessee, and Wex breaking the loss, and it's feeling great. Feeling fantastic tonight. Got me a beer. We're going to get to talk about one of my goddamn favorite WrestleManias of all time. Probably arguably the best WrestleMania, but we'll get into that.
0: We will get into that. We will. We will. Yeah. So that, uh, that brings us to today's topic. It is WrestleMania 17 versus WrestleMania 22. Uh, I'm excited. I'd never actually seen WrestleMania 22 up until this point all the way through. I'd seen like bits and pieces matches or whatever, uh, but I hadn't actually seen the event front to back. Um, any initial thoughts on like, you know, like where were you guys at around like when 17 happened, when 22 happened? Jesse, what was going on in your life? I mean, y'all know I love 2001
1: in terms of wrestling. So you got to say that, you know, WWE was on fucking fire. And it's the year everything joined together. That's our WrestleMania 17. Obviously, fond memories of that one. And then with 22, you know, 22 is an interesting period of time to look back on just because. Yeah, for sure. It was quite a few years after they had already. Yeah, It's like five years or so after they just took everything over. Right. And now we're kind of seeing where those gaps incur in terms of, like, their levels of storytelling and what people are hype about and kind of what's working and what's not. It's a completely different landscape, and I find it pretty interesting.
0: Yeah, for sure. I agree. Wex, how about you? Like, 17, 22? Okay, I feeling nostalgia. De-
2: 17, uh, that was 2001 t- also, so I was 10 years old during 2001. Nice! And that was, like, my prime... Wrestling fandom, I guess, because I probably started watching it real heavy. when I was about eight, and by ten years old, Stone Cold, The Rock, like I was, in, I was, yeah, I was heavy into it. And hearing that Limp Biscuit track brought me back. I've never really been a fan of Limp Biscuit, but the song "My Way" for some reason that's always been the one that when I hear it, I'm like, yeah, man, that takes me back.
0: <laughs> yeah. It's that wrestle, nostalgia button.
2: Yeah, definitely hits the nostalgia button real hard. And WrestleMania 22, that was 2006. I was, uh, let's see, 2006. I was 15. I want to say at this, point, this was April of 2006. Yeah. So I was still a freshman in high school. Nice. Definitely, yeah, because I messed up the year Eddie Guerrero died, which I'll never forget, which this is fucking WrestleMania has a big emphasis on that. And yes. I kind of hadn't been watching wrestling as much during this period and then that's the year then when Eddie Guerrero died and then DX reunited that kind of I don't know I kind of got back into it cuz I was like oh all the shit's going on and always been the big mark of a uh, HBK and that was my only kind of big point going into wrestling at this time was Triple H and Shawn Michaels cuz Stone Cold had since retired and hadn't been doing shit and I was just big on Triple H and Shawn Michaels at this time
0: yeah, absolutely, 100%. So let's uh, let's just go ahead and kick things off, then, with WrestleMania 22. Like you said, it is 2006. Uh, the forgotten member of Destiny's Child is up here singing America the Beautiful. Um, and then there's a pretty uh, weird opening package. Like, it, okay, like, the production was great, but it was, like, the weirdest, like, kind of soft rock song. Like, it wasn't even, like, like, what was that? What song Wait, was, it was that? Wait, it was Pierre Gabriel big time. That's the theme, right? No, it was, Wait, like, I, Shinedown or something on like that was playing
1: on 22 it's uh it, yeah, there's
0: 22. Uh,
1: yeah 22 there's two. the peter gabriel song is the one that's like their theme theme but their the song that they had the chosen intro the theme shine down okay more than once
0: yeah. was yeah. real real bad oh yeah it was just real weird like it's <laughs> like i don't know it just didn't make sense it wasn't like nearly aggressive enough for like a pro wrestling package um did you did you have any other thoughts on that, Wex, from that opening package? It's just not classic really.
2: WWE butt rock intros, but it was yeah. like mellow butt rock, like you said. Yeah, very-
0: like this is not the best way to hype your biggest show. Like, I mean, I've, I was very active in 2006, and I assure you there was much more hype music that you could have been using. <laughs> oh, yeah, you could, I mean, yeah. For but, uh, yeah, let's move on to the first match. It's Carlito and Chris Masters versus Kane and Big Show. And I was like, what the fuck? Like, how did we get here for the tag team championships? This pretty much felt like, um, you know, when you're playing like GM mode on Raw versus SmackDown 2006 and you just yes. hit like auto. Like, it's like this is who they just put together. And I was like, I mean, all right. It, w- it was it was a glorified squash. Like, I guess it's just a way to get Masters and Carlito a mania payday. I get that. But, like, it was really just a squash that went too long. Um, I mean, it wasn't the worst. There was some comedy value, but it wasn't great either. I gave it a beer and a half because I was like, I don't know, it's a weird combination. And I, it, the, the actual wrestling wasn't that bad. It just, you know, it was what it was. It's not going to be a five-star match. Jesse, what did you think about Carlito and Masters versus Kane and Big Show?
1: Uh, Carlito and Masters is one of those things that I definitely would have forgot happened entirely. Except on, on after Carlito's recent return, he kind of did a little lobbying to get the e to hire masters back to which obviously did not work yeah. but um they mentioned somewhere in one of the dirt sheet stories like oh yeah these guys team together and i was like oh okay this is when this happened um the big show and Kane stuff i unfortunately do kind of remember just because i was like god the only person that can make Kane look small is this era big show when he's kind of like
0: so wide bro he was so back, wide you
1: know, on the yeah. food ski and uh he's just not really caring about being there and you know all that other stuff so it kind of you know pretty interesting um i gave it a beer and a half as well so right, uh, we'll see we'll see if right. we round this one out or not i don't know
0: it's wrestlemania it felt, season
1: it felt really flat it wasn't a very hype opener traditionally wrestlemania openers kind of you know there's a lot to live up to but a lot of times those opening matches are fucking fire and this my friends not fire um there's a lot of, like, Masters is so visibly green in the ring here, too. I, there's so many things that are, like, miscues on time and, I don't know, little things like that. I will say, though, Carlito had that shitheel thing down to a T.
0: 100%.
1: Show is doing a pretty good job of working, like, bigger-than-big style yeah. with both of these guys. I have to give them that. Um, Kane did the double lariat from the top to the outside, which, not to spoil anything, but he also did uh, in... 17 in a match that we'll cover here in just a little bit so i thought that was funny to kane's like wrestlemania spot being the flying double lariat to the outside from the top rope which for a guy that big i mean fuck that's you know yeah, that's kind of hurt yeah yeah and then we see uh the double flapjack on big show dope ass backstabber kane with the choke slam for them to retain that was the only way this thing could have ended uh the crowd did pop for the choke slam and they did pop for the pyro but yeah beer and a half not a great opener I hear you. Wex, where are you
0: at on that one,
2: man? I'm a little bit better than you guys on this one. I gave it a full two beers, and the only reason is because I was pleasantly surprised with how the match was going to go because when it actually, you know, when they announced Carlito and Chris Masters, like random fucking teams, some GM shit you're talking about, yeah, yeah. and Kane and Big Show, I was just like, there's no way this is going to be good, but it was actually a lot better than some of the other matches on the card. But like you said, not fire, but not... A piece of shit at all though you know they worked a pretty solid match but the one thing you're talking about the weird kane and big show team up they do the classic bullshit where they team two random people together and do that forced song mashup that doesn't go together yeah like all i heard is yeah, well, well, well it's the big show then yeah. and that was the shitty version that I don't know what it like. <laughs>
0: <well>, uh, Everybody <laughs> only knows the word "gone" from that oh, one. Yeah, <laughs> that's so good.
2: But just that's same so thing, good. just like uh, X Pac and Kane, it just went bow X Pac, and or no, it just went no, it did the um Di-, break it down like just they just put two random themes together. I just hate that shit. But it looked like the Big Show just kind of was doing the minimal amount of work in this match just a lot of things he did was just like a boot grab the rope fought he was just a uh, put in the minimal amount of effort but I
0: think at one funny. point he just like i think masters called something and he just he just looked up big eyed and just sidekicked the shit out of him because yeah, he was like nope just, not doing that Side like,
2: him like four times yeah i uh, I, I kept like, uh, he noticed he kept doing that he just kept grabbing the rope and going yeah. for the sidekick and it's funny he mentioned how wwe wanted to push him more when he was like Five hundred pounds, smoking cigarettes, eating a bunch of bullshit food, and then when he got in shape, they're just like, "Nah, we don't want to do shit with you."
3: Yeah, yeah. He's funny. like,
2: "I'm set." You like, dude? How many seven feet people have got a fucking six pack? It doesn't make sense, but I will say one thing that I'll point out: there was an exposed turnbuckle spot in this match, and this is the first match of the night. And yeah, like the choke slam at the end, crowd definitely popped for that, but I gave it three beers. But remember that exposed turnbuckle.
0: Remember the exposed turnbuckle. Yeah. yeah. I will. Let's jump back over here to uh, WrestleMania 17. Obviously a cool, kind of nostalgic like Americana melting pot where all these people are watching WrestleMania moments. Uh, I thought that was pretty well done. The Limp thing is not a vibe for me. Definitely not. Did not enjoy that at all. It's just Uh, that
2: that one song. All the other ones suck. Just not for me. (laughs) Anyway, it's uh,
0: also JR and Heyman on the call, which I thought was kind of like surprising you know what i mean um yeah. granted great team I, I definitely loved their work but um i don't know it just kind of kind of shocked me at first because i'd kind of forgotten about that jesse what would you think about this open here with like the melting pot open and lent biscuit and all the other bullshit
1: man that melting pot open was so dope like yeah, I, it was just great. one of those things i thought was very strong package i did at the very end of it i couldn't tell but it kind of looked like they were Hari Krishna with a television at the end of the package. If you go back and watch it, I'm kind of like, I'm pretty sure those people aren't allowed to watch TV. But anyway, um, one of the things, too, is the voiceover of this is done by Ni- none other than Classy Freddie Blassity, which is a good touch. His yeah. name is kind of synonymous with a lot of WrestleMania and WWF in general. Jr. and Heyman, you know, this is the first show after Lawler leaves. Yeah. And uh, this is Heyman's first shot at commentary with JR in the WWF. They had briefly done some commentary together back in the Crockett days. But I really, I mean, I thought the whole package was great. And the teaming of JR and Heyman, I absolutely love, especially right now, fresh off of ECW closing. I just thought that this whole thing kind of came together perfectly.
0: Yeah, I'd agree with that. So I know you love that one song, Wax. but what do you think about that Americana open?
2: I really do like the intro. Those old school intros really take you back, and that was a really solid bit right there. And I enjoyed the
0: narration
2: of Classy Freddie Blassie. But like I said, never been a big fan of Limp Biscuit. But when I hear that song, it just takes me back to being 10 years old, being fu- sitting there playing with my fucking WWF action figures, and we had the fucking backstage brawl area. We had the Titan Tron and the certain figures that had the little metal things in their feet. When you put them on the Titan the song would play, but then half the time it didn't work. So you would just play your WWF, the music volume four or five CD on the CD player and take them to the ring. It just takes me back to good times.
0: Yes. Yes, it does. That whole uh, experience definitely happened for me as well. Um, First match on the card here is Y2J Chris Jericho versus William Regal, the commissioner William Regal, for the WWF, still, Intercontinental Championship. Um, Jesse, what you got for me, man? What do you think about this IC title open?
1: I fucking love this angle so much where Jericho pisses in Regal's tea, And, you know, Regal is just the fucking absolute master of the facial expressions and yeah. selling that shit. And his interaction with Jericho during all of those little promo spots was just so priceless. The, um... The chemistry was a little off between the two of them here, I thought. Like, it was two of my favorite performers of all time, beyond any shadow of a doubt. But there's, like, a lot of aerial slop from all Y2J and a lot of it. Regal had really, really great just, like, unconventional catch wrestling takedowns throughout the whole thing, which I thought yeah. was a decent touch. You could tell that they were getting a little stiff with one another there throughout, like, kind of a, all right, we got to bring this back. Like, shot for shot, let's go. But, again, I just default. Like, Regal's facial sell the entire match. He kind of, like switched him in positions for the lion salt for the finish, which is kind of awkward there towards the end. I'm not really sure what happened there. Like he positioned him to a completely different side of the ring and it definitely wasn't the hard cam side. So I really don't know, but uh, I gave it three and a quarter beers. It's a decent little opener. It did set a good standard for the night. I thought, but like just, but I think because of these two, I felt like the chemistry just wasn't matching up the way that I really wanted it to.
0: Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm literally in the exact same boat on this. For me, I like the promo package um, for sure. I thought it was well done on the production side. I mean, it it, it is kind of crazy that he opens this show Jericho as the IC champion, and then next WrestleMania he's the undisputed champion, in the and then the main event. Like, it's kind of wild. Uh, I mean, the work was crisp for the most part, but you were right. There was it. It felt like. These guys are both great, but the chemistry just—I didn't really feel like it was there. Uh, and then the finish felt really rushed to me too. So I don't know if it was just a call to the ring, like, "Hey guys, this ain't working. Let's just go home." Like so that's what it kind of felt like to me. So yeah, I only—I never only,
2: see Jericho win with a lion salt.
0: Yeah, that's true. I mean, I only gave it two and a half beers, and that's surprising. But I—I I really thought it was below average. Actually, I, I didn't—I didn't think it was good at all. Um, what? I mean, it was what it was. Wex, where you at on Jericho versus Regal?
2: I actually enjoyed this match a little bit more than both of you. I gave it four beers. Wow. And I know there's a little clunkiness here there, and there was a little weird shit, but I did like some of the stuff happened. Well, I did enjoy some of the stuff that happened in the match, like that double underhook suplex from the top. Yeah. Would that be an, a double underhook superplex? Is that what you would call it? Or would it be a do- an avalanche double underhook suplex?
1: i mean you can call it whatever you want avalanche butterfly suplex also might apply oh
2: yeah damn i didn't think about that too but i really like that sequence with the walls of jericho that transitioned into the regal stretch thought that was pretty sick and i didn't note that jr said the pectoralis muscles which i don't think is that even
1: right or is that right i think that's a little dustyism there
2: well, that's Pec- what he said he said pectorals. he said the pectoralis muscles
1: But, uh, yeah, Yeah, I did note that
2: it was weird that he won with a lion's salt, and that wasn't because they were just trying to finish the match real quick because that's just not a movie normally wins with there. It's just kind of thought it was weird. But I do like how he sold the shoulder when he did the pin, though, because when he pinned, he pinned initially, but then he turned and used the other arm for the kind of do the leverage because he was selling the fucked up shoulder, which I thought that was a nice touch right there. I Indeed. gave it four beers though,
0: like you, like I said, a little bit more than Jesse, but double the amount of you. Yeah, that's a, uh, that's pretty pretty hearty claim there, man. Uh, let's uh, let's jump back over here to the heartbreak kid, and it's Shawn Michaels cutting a, a pretty solid promo in the back. I actually like hearing that. I thought it's I, I mean, come on, let's let's be, if we're being totally honest, Shawn Michaels could be hit or miss, like. He oh, either yeah. had really good promos or really awkward bad promos. Like, he never had just like a, oh, that was okay. Like, he, he was either his really good or pretty bad. When he was on pills and didn't give a fuck, I think that's when he did some of his best work. Yeah. Him, him trying to be a babyface in 96 when he was 100% in real life a fucking heel, those, <laughs> all those promos were not very good, <laughs> if, if we're being honest. Um, now granted, I would say, I would argue Shawn Michaels, 96 and 97 is the greatest professional wrestler that's ever walked the face of the earth, but that's neither here nor there. I did love that. He kind of pretty much in his promo, just basically had a disclaimer, like, Hey guys, this match isn't going to be great. It's just going to be bloody. And we we're like, "No, oh, okay. I appreciate yeah. that. Sean. Thanks. Yeah, Thanks. He's like, like don't
2: expect Mr. WrestleMania. Expect yeah. the goddamn
0: bloodbath. <laughs> I, like how, uh, he was like,
2: I like the, uh, if you, I will say, I'll t- on, touch on that promo of his. He mentioned uh, he was going to put McMahon through hell. And then McMahon kind of, well, yeah, when we get to McMahon's promo later, it kind of meets together.
0: Oh, here we go. Here we go. All right. Well, the next match on the card here is Matt Hardy versus Shelton Benjamin versus Fit Finley versus RVD versus Lashley versus Ric Flair in the second ever Money in the Bank ladder match which is, uh, it's something, uh, Jesse, what'd you think about this? You know, money in the bank too. One thing I noticed a lot about this,
1: and it, it's worth saying about this WrestleMania in comparison to the other one. Uh, so this one, WrestleMania 22 is like the last WrestleMania that wasn't really, um, bigger venue stadium-y kind of oriented. Yeah. The, um, the attendance here is under 18,000. It's like 17 and a half. The attendance at X seven, It was like 67,300 and some odd people. Oh, yeah. It looked fucking so crazy on – like, it just looks great. Then uh, five years later, we're looking at 18,000 people or less. So it's kind of – it was a very stark differentiation when you see the crowd pop for certain things and how much different – like how much – watching X7 and then watching this one back-to-back kind of made this feel like a Raw or something. It was very strange. But, um, you know, these matches are always going to be people – throwing themselves into spots and doing some crazy shit. And, you know, I mean, it's a money in the bank match. It's what you expect. There are a lot of really amazing spots that I thought were pulled off smoothly and made sense. Like RVD had, they had this sick vaulting plancha pretty close to yeah. the beginning of the match. Oh, some, yeah, that was sick. Shelton Benjamin's running senton off the leaning ladder against the ropes got built into video games like almost instantaneously. That's yeah. just one of the coolest visuals I've ever seen and really shows off Shelton Benjamin to a really great degree, in my opinion. Uh, RBD has a lot of innovation throughout this match. To me, he was kind of the star of the show Flair with the superplex and that whole angle was inter- I mean, it was intriguing. It was different and it makes sense. I mean, guy that bit or that old gets superplexed off the top of the ladder. I imagine it would probably take my ass out too.
3: Yeah.
1: Um, there's a lot of really awkward stuff as a result of it though. We see Finley like push the ladder down only to wait a couple of minutes and try and set a different letter back up. That was the same size. Yeah, I was confused at what was going on right there. I was like, "What
2: the fuck is happening here?" But I right. yeah. Yeah.
1: We were on time and waiting on somebody to make their cue, and it just was yeah. probably off. But um, you know, Flair takes another bump off the fucking ladder. Then yeah, I mean, we just see more and more and more chaos, and then uh, the splash from the ladder by RVD was impressive, although was not necessarily really called right in the action <laughs> in the heat of the moment. But it, it was, was not really
2: a neat. froggy splash at all. Yeah.
1: Uh, then Benjamin's whole leap to the ladder spot fucking legendary i thought it was good the uh you know rbd getting the win here i thought was definitely the right call especially given the the period of time and the revival of ecw and that whole thing i gave it 3.75 beers the lineup was very random and i thought maybe kind of poorly booked for a money in the bank match a little bit in a couple of different ways um the lack of reliance on aerial stuff i thought stood out because typically that's all we see is car crash jumping off the top of the ladder moves and we there wasn't really a whole lot of that the uh I thought flair made his spot fit, even though it didn't make a goddamn lick of sense that he was in this match, but the timing overall got a little bit botchy. There was some illogical stuff, but still it's a spectacle. So 3.75 beers from me.
0: Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm almost in the exact same boat. I actually liked it a little bit more. I thought it was four beers. I mean, I, granted I, okay. I will say that the, the flair spot um, caught did cause a lot of chaos. And I do think that that was the main issue with the timing, but I mean, Dude, that superplex to me was in like, that was honestly out of all like the money in the bank, huge spots. And it's probably just because it's Matt Hardy and flair, but like seeing that superplex and his absolute amazing sell of it naturally, oh, wow. which yeah. is what he does is just, God, incredible. I mean, the five star off the ladder was crazy too. I mean, I enjoyed seeing RBD get the win. Um, not much else from me on that one, but I gave it four solid beers. I really did thoroughly enjoy it. Wex, what do you think about this money in the bank?
2: Hey, I'm right there with you this time at the good old four pack of the four beers there. And I thought it was a pretty solid match. And the Ric Flair shit is some of the my favorite parts of the match. I know it did kind of make things not flow well. But, dude, I literally have. I said, I can't believe this old ass motherfucker is taking multiple ladder bumps in this match. Like, jeez, like I wouldn't want to take two of those in one match. And Flair's out there old as hell just fucking doing it and everyone is selling so hard for his chops. Like he chops Shelton Benjamin once and he completely flipped over the rope, which I thought was great. I was just like super sell Sunday out here pretty much. But he had me, Flair had me, Flair had me emotionally invested. And I was like, man, I want Flair to win. Even though, even though, you know, Flair's not going to win like a few times. They may, they, they had me for a second. I was like, maybe Flair can do it. Even though I've watched this before. I watched it live. I was watching this at Hooters and Rivergate. (laughs) it was free, they played sure all the paper. Views. At, I'm pretty
0: sure I watched this at Hooters and Hermitage, so yeah, I understand exactly. <laughs> yeah, we just buy
2: Mountain Dews and just keep getting a refill because we were broke. But yeah, I can, I literally remember watching this live and RVD do the Van uh da, the Van Daminator on the ladder, dude. That was fucking sick. With the I guess that's what it would be because he did it. He but he used the chair himself. There was no one to assist him, but essentially that's what it was. i I'm, I'm gonna call it that. Yeah. Yeah. But I I love how crazy RVD sold the win like he was just f- flopping up and down and like couldn't stand it like it was just outrageous
0: like
2: yeah. it like the off. Rock selling a stunner
0: like <laughs> yeah yeah it oh, yeah, was which, very yeah. intense it was very intense for sure and he
2: dude yeah I love and then like I love how he couldn't walk he couldn't walk and then he gets to the top of the ramp and just climbs the ladder again like yeah,
0: <laughs> I was yeah, like all right
2: dude. Here. I was like all right RVD but dude four beers for me I thought it was a great Money in the Bank ladder match probably. This is probably my second favorite one out of all of them.
0: Well, uh, on the uh, over here on the other card, the supposed greatest WrestleMania of all time. This might be. Uh, I'm surprised that this wasn't on our list of some of the one of the worst ever <laughs> WrestleMania matches. It's uh, the APA and Taz with Jackie versus the Right to Censor. I, I did. I forgot completely that Taz even had like a Mania match at all. Um, because, I mean, I guess at this point he's already on commentary too. and Yeah,
2: he's already on SmackDown at this point with Michael Cole.
0: Yeah, it, it didn't look good at all. I mean, it looked like they were just... Honestly, it looked like they were running him ragged too. Like, he was just taking bumps the most of the time, and it was like... I don't, I don't know. It was just so sloppy. It was... I mean, at least it was quick, but it was not good, <laughs> so I gave it half a beer because it was fast, and the fact that Taz got a WrestleMania match is cool, uh, even though they literally just beat his ass the whole time um wex what do you think about apa and taz with jackie versus the right to censor here
2: i rated a little bit higher than you but i didn't give it that high a rating because my first note on this entire match is this match is all over the place one of the positives as i one of the positives that i have in this match is at the beginning you can see a guy in eddie george jersey in the background and I popped for that. But no uh, yeah, it is what I put, you know, it is what it is. There was the botched Irish whip everywhere. They were just fucking roughing Taz up, like you said, just fucking with them. A botched back body drop, like there was just so much shit. Yeah, and I like the nice uh, the avalanche uh, back suplex or super back suplex Yeah, that Bradshaw did. And the clothesline from hell was nice. And the only reason that I gave it two beers is just because it was kind of funny to me how they were just kind of fucking with them, popped the Eddie George jersey. And the clothesline, but uh, yeah, it 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 is what it is. It was, it was some some little bullshit,
1: man. I mean, lest we forget, before this match, we see the limo with WCW one on the oh license plate yeah, with Shane O'Mac introducing the WCW element six days after the purchase.
0: Yeah, that's the true.
1: um the legendary Bradshaw promo is like the first time that I ever heard him talk. That I was like, whoa, motherfucker can get fired up when he wants to. Something else. But, um, you know, just the importance of Texas and that whole thing I thought was pretty cool. And they shot that legendary APA backstage door set, which is one of my favorite yeah. creative things that WWF has ever done. I've yeah. always loved those promos. As for the match itself, as I was doing a little bit of research during it, I did not realize that Bull Buchanan was recon in the fucking Truth Commission. Oh, yeah. And so I, I just, for some reason, I didn't put two and two together on that. I don't know why, but the. I um,
0: mean, it was B squared.
1: Yeah, I remember B squared, unfortunately. I would much rather remember Recon. <laughs> but, uh, and I remember Recon. I just didn't realize it was the same guy. The, uh, there was just really, this match was just random as fuck. There were just random switches of offense so people could try and get shit in. They were trying to make something out of it. Thank God it was short. I gave it one beer. I like seeing Taz. Uh, you know, Bradshaw's clothesline's always a fucking pop because it just always looks so fucking intense. And that promo kind of had me hyped for it. So, you know, it's a payday match. It got the boys on the card. I gave it a beer.
0: That is, uh, that's poppycock. That's, that's what that is. Oh, poppycock. No, absolute <laughs> poppycock. Let's hop back over here to WrestleMania 22. Uh, Matthews is in the back here with Mean Gene and Orton got a little heat on him there. Nice little rub from old mean Gene, you know, the legend killer. Um, the hall of fame class getting presented was nice to see. Uh, it's weird to see Vicky is, like, not even in the business yet. You know what I mean? It's like, uh, it was cool. It was a nice little Eddie moment they put together. Um, Wex, what do you think about that whole uh, Orton promo and then the Hall of Fame little segment they had there?
2: Yeah, the Orton promo, you know, it was it is what it is. It was working for the, for the character at the time, I guess. The Hall of Fame segment, that was probably the best part of both of those moments right there. I liked how they had, uh, what's his name? Hopefully I'm doing, is this... Was this the one where Mean Gene went in the Hall of Fame? Yep. Yeah, yeah, that was it. They had Mean Gene, and they also had uh, William the Refrigerator Perry. Yeah. That's, yeah. I think, I guess they popped for that, because uh, that's, yeah. We're, hold on, that was, is that the... That's Chicago. Yeah, yeah, they were in Chicago, so yeah, Megan sure, so that's, yeah. They popped for him in Chicago, because he's the Chicago Bear, and you got some uh, weird little uh, rainbow stuff going on back here behind Daniel. <laughs>
0: Yeah, I figured so, uh, I'd get, little...
2: get me in the mood, but uh, yeah, <laughs> I just saw, saw a little promo, nice little Hall of Fame segment. Vern Gagne looked like he was lost and didn't know where he was.
0: Because he was. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Because he was. <laughs> yeah. What do you think about the promo uh, from Orton and the Hall of Fame presentation?
1: Well, the promo here? from Orton was great, as always, in this era. He really, you know, I mean, you could tell he had a little bit of greenery on him or whatever, but at the same time, he was still cutting pretty good promos at this point in time, I thought, especially given the amount of time he'd been in the business, not very long, like less than four years yeah the uh, the whole like the Bret hart announcements at the beginning of introducing the hall of fame oh yeah that was funny. and it's funny because <laughs> i remember thinking like my god this is weird and awkward and then later on in the show we come to realize why they made yeah. the announcement the way that they did and i uh, you know i just kind of i don't know it was just uh, that whole thing was very awkward and weird and kind of like tarnished me even remembering who all came out it sort of overshadowed the whole thing but the moment with vicky was really fucking awesome
0: yeah it was for sure uh the next match on the card here though is gonna be jbl versus chris benoit benoit uh it's for the u.s championship i mean it was guys it was a stiff-ass match for sure they were laying into each other uh, JBL Matt Wrestling always looks awkward to me just because it's not that he's bad at it. It's just that his body frame, it just looks lanky. And it's like, it's like a big dog or a small horse just standing up on two legs. Like he's just so lanky. It's like a goofy from like Disney just got like really buff. Um, just, <laughs> I mean, that's just what it is to me. Um, but I love dude. One of my favorite, favorite signs that I saw all night was it had like Jack Link's beef jerky. And it was like, It said beef jerky, and then a picture of JBL, and it said like beefy jerk, and I was like, oh, it was
1: (laughs) was incredible. Uh, He had fire signs the whole yeah,
0: yeah. He had fire signs, man. Like really, really good stuff. Super funny. Um, I mean, it wasn't bad for sure. Like uh, they definitely had really great chemistry together. Um, It it got a little long, uh, but I did kind of like the cheat finish. I gave it three and a half beers. I, I I didn't I didn't love it. I didn't, but I mean, it was good. It was a good match um jesse where you at on jbl versus crispin Y here
1: i went four beers so i'm in the same okay. ballpark for sure maybe even you know uh, same hit but the i love the limo entrance
3: yeah i oh,
1: thought that whole thing was excellently pulled off and jbl's little two-step to the ring to his theme there was kind of i don't know a little texas two-step was pretty hilarious um you know I love seeing JBL actually wrestle, but even while he was doing it, he I thought he was really great at working in the tiny little heel things, just the weird little cranks and turns and a little bit of, like, joint manipulation that wasn't necessarily on the up and up. And I, I thought they did a really good job of building from the wrestling thing into JBL's type of offense. Yeah. The, um, all of the, the great heel work by JBL, riling the fucking crowd up, taunting Eddie, and kind of giving way to Benoit eventually being able to do that to get a heavy, heavy, heavy shine before the headbutt. Um, I did think the finish was fucking great. One thing I noticed, and I couldn't let go of throughout this whole match, is that in the facial and hair region here, Bradshaw like heavily favors Vince.
0: Oh it, yeah, for sure.
1: His profile and the whole thing is like it, it, I never really noticed that they had any like, but younger Vince, they kind of look alike in the in the profile a little bit. Yeah. But um, yeah, I gave it four beers. The, the story was decent. It was a good way to kind of blow it off, and you know, it acknowledges Eddie, but also. Bradshaw was a heel that wasn't afraid of fucking heat. I can tell you that much. Just go out there and do that on a recently dead dude. Most guys would not do that. Yeah. And, um, you know, I just thought, I thought it was pretty fucking good. Yeah,
0: I agree. Wex, where are you at on it?
2: I am right there with Jesse. I also gave this four beers. Wow. I thought it was a great match. I loved how aggressive Benoit was. And like you said, some of the Matt stuff doesn't look great with JBL, but I Like, the story here of the whole, like, Eddie Guerrero thing and him taunting him and, like, doing the three amigos and all that shit, like, that really hooked me in. It just, uh, they were telling a great story right there. And, uh, yeah, like you said, the the huge shine before the headbutt, and, like, the headbutt was, like, the longest headbutt I've ever seen. He cleared, like, way over half the ring with the headbutt itself, so it was really sick, and I loved the finish, locked in the crossface, and then... How, like, I loved how, like, epic it was. He was just, like, uh, uh, then locked it in, and then JBL used the shit uh, and grabbed the ropes, you know. Cheap victory. Cheap heel victory. Like, love it. Jesse's pretty much already went over all the main points, basically, that I had up here. But, like, at this time, I hated JBL, and I pretty much still do, but I really hated JBL at this point because all that Eddie Guerrero shit. So, yeah, he... He was doing his job. He really was like, I was like, that goddamn motherfucker. <laughs> right before this, I see a note that I do have. Uh, yeah, we had Josh Matt. I just we had Josh Matthews backstage, which we forgot to mention. Which is, Ugh. we mentioned the promo. We just forgot to mention he was the one doing it. And I just thought no, it was fun I, because I, no, I brought it up. Oh yeah. yeah, well because him and half of those people in that Money in the Bank ladder match would soon be in TNA just a few years later. Yeah, that is wild. That's wild
0: to think about it's wild to think about man
2: half of those people like literally yeah. rick flair matt hardy rob van dam and i think that's really it right
0: yeah i'd say so La- well, i mean last wait Lashley. oh
2: yeah there. and lashley too boot oh, yeah.
0: yeah there you go so that is like half of them yeah well here we go back on the other side we have steph and uh trish and linda in the back with an absolutely garbage promo uh it was really 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 bad Um, Not really much else to say about that. Let's move on to the match here. It's Kane versus Raven versus Big Show. Kind of crazy that they uh, end up being tag team champions five years later and opening the show. Um, But this whole thing was bad. Not good. Poorly shot. Um, We definitely got the infamous golf cart spot that Raven has (laughs) recently made viral again since AEW and WWE have both been using it quite a bit. Um, I mean, I don't know. I didn't expect it to be great. I had completely forgotten that Raven also got a WrestleMania match. Um, I mean, I don't know. Kane wins the hardcore title after a stage mattress bump. Um, God, I mean, guys, we've been touting this is the best WrestleMania of all time, but I gave this fucking thing a dud. I gave this actual match absolute zero. Uh, It was not good for me. Uh, Wex, what do you think about this triple threat here?
1: You're muted, Wexley Lawson. Son of a... You're muted again. That, there you go.
2: Well, I actually enjoyed this match. I always have enjoyed this match. It's pretty ridiculous. And I like it for how ridiculous it is. Like, at one point, they can't even film what's going on because so many people are fucking running around, like, in front of the cameras. And you see the cameramen like, fucking pushing through. I just think it's re- fucking outrageous. And, like, all the setup, like, drywall, they were just busting through. And the whole, like, little part where they go in the chain thing and they, like, slightly lock the door for a second. That <laughs> just rips off. Yeah,
0: it doesn't make any sense.
2: I know. I was just laughing the whole time. I was like, what the fuck is going on here? Like, I know it wasn't supposed to be a comedy match, but this was, like, the hardcore division was goddamn comedy wrestling at that point. And I love... I popped so hard when, I don't know who hit it, but they hit this salad, and it flew directly into the camera, like, perfectly, and I was just like, Jesus fucking Christ, outrageous. And then, Incredible. I can't believe that Kane went for the leg drop after the whole, like, spot. Like, I thought, like, they were just gonna fall, and he was gonna go down there, but Kane said, nah, fuck it, and, like, ran and leaped and did a fucking leg drop. It was outrageous, and it's the only pin I've ever seen counted on the side of a fucking wall. Like,
0: yeah. Don't think of, well, I mean, I think I've actually seen that before, but I can't remember where or what happened. But I mean, yeah, one.
2: one, two, three. Yeah. I just thought it was
0: super weird, but
2: I gave it three beers just because I had a great time and I've always enjoyed this match. And it's just one of those ones that I laugh at. It's good. It's it hits home. It's a good nostalgia it hit. I get maybe that's why it gave it too much,
0: but. Well, I wish you would have stayed muted, Wexley. Jesse, what do you think about this one? <laughs> I uh,
1: you know, I di- I didn't hate it like dud level hate it, but you know, it is what it is. I think it accomplished what it was meant to accomplish. Poor Scott Levy never stood a chance post-ECW in the WWF, not one little bit, and he's one of my favorite performers of all time, so that's unfortunate for me. Uh, however, putting him in this contest against two gigantic men, they kind of did some stuff that made sense in terms <laughs> of getting to the back. Like It sort of made sense that he was trying to play... Cowardly Lion and sort of lead traffic into an unorthodox area outside of the ring so he wasn't just trapped with these two behemoths. I thought that part of it made sense. It was logical psychologically speaking. I don't know why Raven's theme music was on WWF The Music (laughs) volume 5. It's like...
2: (laughs) It was literally the Stone Cold theme song riff sped up a little bit faster with the cause on it. It went... Instead of... It
1: was just bad. I mean, I can't imagine anybody running around in their car jamming that fucking shit. I would have to laugh at them brazenly, no matter how Marky Mark and the Funky Bunch you may be. But anyway... The, in terms of the match itself, obviously, kind of hardcore match garbage, but there were some entertaining things. Kane and Big Show just shockmastered their way through the gimmick drywall in that fake-ass room that they built, clearly, <laughs> in the backstage area. And uh, that, that, to me, was kind of funny, just because you could tell they were trying to impactfully go through, and they end up just having to walk through the fucking spot that they broke. Yeah, just it's, yeah it, it's it didn't pretty work fun. out. Yeah. Everything with the chain-link fence was just god-awful. All of it, the locking, the fucking braking, the whole fucking deal, the golf cart thing, you know, shows fat ass wouldn't let it drive away. Then <laughs> it's supposed to be this chase sequence and he weighed it down to the point that it couldn't happen. Mm. Just fucking <laughs> 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 <Yeah>. <laughs> and then you
0: have the ending. <laughs> you, just, like, you know, like what? It's, it's obviously so, sta- like, first of all, it's clear. Like, we can all yeah. visibly see that it's just two big ass crash pads. Like, yeah. I mean, yeah, it just didn't make any sense to me, which is not the first or
1: not the only time that that happens on this fucking show, unfortunately. But the, um, you know, Raven and show that whole thing through the stage and Kane does the leaping leg drop. I gave it two beers. I mean, it's definitely not like it wasn't the best booking. It was a little long for this. And I don't know that this belongs on a mania at all, really. But it was at least, it was a little entertaining. You got to see some stuff break, you know.
0: Yeah, I mean, I feel like this is a really good example of the shittiest parts of hardcore wrestling. Uh, But over here on the other show, uh, we have probably one of the best examples of hardcore wrestling, at least on a major level. It's a nice package for Edge and Foley here, and then we go straight into the match. Uh, God, like some of those headshots were insanely stiff. The match was absolutely incredible, though. I mean, Foley really should have let this been his retirement match. I know he said several times that he wish he would have the barbed wire wrapped around him with edge kind of getting color on his arm after like the spear thing was super cool. It was sold really well. Joey Styles on commentary was (coughs) on his game for sure. Kind of crazy that they never really gave Joey, um, you know, the, the shine that he deserved. Um, the, the cactus clothesline with Lita on mixed back was insane, too. It looked so crazy. Um, man, I mean, I just felt like they did a great job, too, like teasing that table spot and then leading up to like, you know, they, they teased them going through it quite a few times before they actually used, just everything they did made sense. They actually used psychology with the violence. And to me... I'm I'm doing it guys. Like this is a six beer match for me. I absolutely loved Edge versus Foley here. Jesse, where are you at on it?
1: I could not agree more. I didn't go quite six. I went five and a half. And I think that's just because in my head, like it is a hardcore match, you know? Yeah. And yeah. You do have that element of it. Um, but even with that. This is no ordinary hardcore match. Like you said, the psychology and everything, the way that they laid the whole thing out was just perfect. I mean, you, you Foley was selling every aspect of being the older guy that shouldn't yes. stand a chance here, yes. but he just worked his way around it with intelligence and experience. And that whole fucking aspect of it was so well told, in my opinion. The uh, Joey Styles is always gonna get extra points from me. I fucking love Joey Styles. I guess. The rumor always was that he left over some stupid bullshit having to do with the dot com and some show that he yeah, was that running.
0: was like years and years and years later. But like. yeah.
1: And um I don't understand why he wasn't a huge fixture for them. It just yeah. makes all the sense in the world that he would be. Yeah. Um I thought Edge's change in his presentation for this match specifically wasn't over the top gimmicky looking. Like it, it he still had like gear technically because of you know patches sewn on and stuff, but I thought that it made sense. Yeah. Um it made the match kind of look a little bit more special. There's a little kid in the stands holding a sign that says there will be blood that looks just like Thurman Merman from Bad Santa. So keep a lookout for that. <laughs> if love that. If you want Candy a sandwich, corn. he's your fucking guy. Um, they all be winners, kid. Yeah, <laughs> we had some stiff cookie sheet shots throughout this whole thing that were just something else. I mean, I, the cookie sheet thing was always a joke to me, and then I see it in this match, and I'm like, fuck that. I wouldn't let nobody do that to me. That hurts, but... They had, a, <laughs> they had a whole lot of direct references to concussions on commentary, which yeah. is kind of looking back on it like a yeah. big old yikes, you know?
3: Yeah.
1: I never... I don't think that I've ever seen somebody use the space between the stairs for storage of weapons before. And maybe I have and I just forgot about it, but it seemed to really stand out here to me. Yeah, smart. bar bat pulls out the tacks and the whole thing. And I was like, that's fucking genius. It just makes all the sense. Yeah. All of their work was super sharp, super... Just deliberate and really well timed out. I thought I don't think there is a more classic table spot in WrestleMania history than the table, the flaming table, and the spear through it. I mean, there are all the great TLC matches and things like that that have happened, but man, the visual of that is just so fucking stunning. And I thought it was fucking great. So I gave it five and a half beers.
0: Yeah, I'm six beers all the way. Wex, where you at on Edge versus Foley here?
1: I am
2: a little bit in between both of y'all. I went five beers on this match. And you guys pretty much covered most of the big shit. Like, of course, I love the hidden barbed wire with the spear thing. The backpack cactus clothesline was crazy. But one thing you guys didn't mention that I thought was, like, fucking crazy, like, that hip toss, like, into the stairs that happened first. And, like, you know Mick Foley has, like, some of the most fucked up hips ever. And I was just cool that was. And then when he gets just thrown into the stairs right after that, like Mick Foley was not taking anything lightly in this match. He was going all fucking out. And just like you guys said, I wish this would have been his retirement match because he put it all on the line. Yeah, in this match. It was so and, good. Yeah. And what, uh, Oh, he didn't, you guys didn't mention the barbed wire Saco, which is the first time I've ever seen him do that. I, yeah.
0: think. Like, I don't yeah. ever
2: remember the barbed wire Saco genius. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. How, yeah, I don't understand why he never did that before. Cause it's like he's meshing mankind with Cactus Jack in a move. You know, pretty yeah. fucking sick. But speaking of Joey Styles, like Jesse said, we even got a. Oh my god!
0: Oh yeah, we definitely did. I fucking was like, that's oh, your shit. ass. We did. Got it. Got it. Mean, get and it. It was
2: definitely for. I mean, it was definitely well worth it for that spear through the barbell. I mean, spear through the flaming table. But Jesus Christ, I haven't watched this match properly since like since it came out. And God damn, it was great! Like, like after the match when Mick Foley was doing his little like, he got the standing ovation. He was up there like you know, you know, raising his arm, bleeding shit. I, I teared up a little bit. You know, the crowd was getting all hype. I was like, oh man! And like that, that should email. have been his retirement. should should have been his retirement. Second time I teared up in the night. First time was at the Eddie Guerrero tribute. I think with the, the Hall of Fame and they had you know all that shit.
0: Yeah, well, speaking of Eddie Guerrero, we'll jump back over here to WrestleMania 17. Uh, There was a nice little aggressive angle promo in the back with Edge and Christian.
1: I thought Uh, it was great, dude. I love that promo.
0: Yeah, 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 it was good for sure. It was really good. Uh, there was a weird kind of crowd promo with Coach too about like Australia. And uh, I mean, I don't really know why we had that. I mean, that seems a little silly to me now, but
1: very strange looking Aussie chick.
0: Yes, it was weird
1: for WrestleMania. Like that was, I guess, at that point in time, you know, Houston was the first city to like bid, like make an offer to buy WrestleMania's presence there. Yeah. So, I guess maybe they're just really trying to hype that shit up in terms of like the worldwide appeal or whatever. But yeah. it was fucking awkward.
0: <laughs> yeah, it was awkward to say the least. Uh, the match here is Eddie Guerrero versus Test for the WWF European Championship. I mean, it was kind of hot from the jump. Um, and honestly, in the beginning, Test had some pretty decent work. Uh, it kind of presently surprised me. And then we have like one of the most iconic WrestleMania botches of all time. <coughs> and Test goes for his big. Boot and essentially Mick Foley's his leg, and you can audibly hear Eddie go, like, Hey, you okay, man? Like uh-huh. <laughs> and, then he, and then he goes to get out of the ring to get him and slips and just eats shit on on the like and, and the crowd laughs. And it's like at that point it's hard to get him back. I mean Eddie carried the thing though. I mean it was probably one of Test's best match ever, honestly. Uh foot botch and all. Um, I mean it was what it was. I didn't absolutely hate it. I gave it two beers. Um, you know, but God, some of those, that, I mean, not only like test hanging himself by his foot, but then Eddie, like completely busting his ass, trying to get out there to like unhook him essentially. And then him and the referee just struggling to get him like loose was just so funny to me. Um, two solid beers. Wex, where you out on Eddie G versus test here for the WWE European championship. I went just a little bit higher.
2: I went three beers just because after the whole foot thing sold the match the best they could because he just kept yeah. working on the foot and doing it and like i like that part and they i don't know the interference was kind of a little bit much at the end because there was too much interference but at this time i guess it was good for eddie guerrero's you know the heel shit that they were doing at the time but like you said one of probably test best matches even though it had that fucking botch and they didn't even though eddie guerrero did bust his ass like it's really hard to come back from that but they did the best they could so i gave it three
0: beers Free beers. Eddie G versus Test. Jesse, where you at? It just seemed like there is no lead in to this at all. You
1: know, I think that was a big part of why it was flat. There just really wasn't like a background to much of it. And Perry Saturn looks like such a goof here. Oh, um, 100%. Yeah. yeah. The big fuzzy top hat and the Hogan stash and the fucking, I don't know what they were thinking there. It just looked so weird. It looked like he should have been, like, one of Macho Man's fucking valets in that era at WCW. <laughs> like, he had the yeah. big star mesh shirt on and shit. Um, there wasn't really much of a face-heel dynamic to speak of in this one. They were both kind of doing somewhat heely shit. And the crowd really, to me, didn't seem to give a fuck about any of this. There's a lot of interference. Saturn comes in. And then Malenko comes out looking like the fucking Florida dad, like a motherfucker.
0: Oh, yeah, straight up.
1: And uh, you know Eddie gets the gets Florida the win with the title shot cheat, which completely negates any face kind of thing that he did. Plus, he's just had a bunch of interference on his behalf. I don't know. It was just kind of weird. I gave it a beer and a half. I just really thought like the interference was there to make up for a lack of story to try and get the crowd behind Test. I guess who you then beat then didn't. I don't know. It was just fucking yeah. weird. Beer and a half. Beer and
0: a half. Whew, yeah, I mean, it It just it wasn't it wasn't great. Uh, but speaking of things that were not great, <laughs> let's uh, let's keep it rolling here. I'm going to jump back over to WrestleMania 22 and we get Booker T and Charmel walking by uh, awkward shit in the back. Uh, and the whole freak show promo. It was funny with with, you know, gold dust and everything. Uh, but Jesse. <laughs> I, oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, oh yeah, but <laughs> dust. excuse me. I do think that, uh, Jesse might be right though. Booker might be one of the worst book talents in WrestleMania history. Um, man. Uh, yeah. The next match is just, it's Booker T versus the boogeyman. We've already covered this one and I gave it an absolute dud. It was the shits. Uh, it does kind of, it does kind of blow my mind. that They constantly try to use that red lighting in matches and it absolutely does not work at all. Um, but, God, Wex, anything else else to add on Booker T versus the Boogeyman? For the match, or
2: just yeah? The, I mean, well, a match, whole time. yeah, the
0: whole thing, yeah.
2: One of the worst time. I'll, I mean, honestly, I think the little skip before the match was better than the match itself.
3: Yeah, I would it was agree more with that.
2: entertaining. Like, yeah, Boogeyman's one of the worst wrestlers, and apparently he tore. I was you know researching this. He tore his pectoral muscle a week before this match and put the match in jeopardy, and supposedly had to like. Work through it, and I couldn't really tell because he always looks like that. He fucking sucks. So,
0: yeah, it, I could it, tell it,
2: that he was wrestling with a torn pectoral. Just looked like Boogeyman was being the Boogeyman. Yeah, and his little fucking shitty. Yeah, it's a piece of
1: shit. Zero beers. Piece of shit. Booker deserves better.
0: He really, he really does. Jesse, where you at on it?
1: Uh, I thought that they could have done this match in the form of a skit, and it had been fine. You really didn't have to have all the pyro and the whole thing. I mean, it was just kind of goofy. One thing that you missed here, or we didn't mention anyway, they do a cutaway before the match starts to Todd Grisham, who is playing the role of coach at WrestleMania 17 here at WrestleMania 22, and instead of an Australian woman who looks kind of weird and has a really terrible haircut, Todd Grisham is interviewing the winners of a Snickers contest.
2: Oh, yeah, I saw that. Oh, I don't
0: don't know if I...
1: that they plan to eat like six or seven Snickers bars or something during this. And by looking at them, you can tell that's not fucking true. So, yeah. like, one was, says she ate five and the other says she ate six, I think, something like yeah. that. How many <laughs> Snickers can these ladies fit in their mouth all at once? It is very thinly veiled, weird shit, like, once again, from the WWE. But it was, I just thought it was strange that it would around the same part of these shows, they had a cutaway to just some random fucking C Squad announcer interviewing a fucking arbitrary thing from the crowd that doesn't have anything to do with the show. So, <laughs> also, I do not know who Joe Theismann is. They showed him. I don't know who that is. He's a
0: He's, he player. was uh,
2: uh, he, a football player, and he used to do co- and did commentary on Monday Night Football back then.
0: Washington, uh, Washington Redskins. That makes yep. sense. That he broke his serious.
2: leg. He broke his leg real bad.
0: Yeah, he did break his leg real
2: bad.
1: <laughs> well, on to something that was probably worse than Joe Theismann's broken leg. Booker T and Charmel versus the Boogeyman. Yeah, um, you know. They note here that Boogie is undefeated in the WWE,
0: which is insane.
1: What the fuck kind of angle is this that they're going for here? Um, I guess they're trying to get the character over. It's funny that he had a torn pectoral for this because nobody would dream in a a thousand years of keeping this match on a WrestleMania if somebody had a torn pectoral right now. Hell no. They're like, no, we just won't do the match. It's really not a big deal at all. (laughs) Right. We can fill the extra four minutes or whatever this took. Um, We
0: can make it happen, yeah.
1: I don't understand why if Booker is so scared of Boogeyman, supposedly, that Boogeyman's getting zero fucking offense at all. Like, it's just very, like, he's playing like he's freaked out, but then, like, whooping dude's ass the entire time. There's really nothing happening. Uh, Charmell's reaction kind of did look like a shoot, though, especially with the whole kiss with the worms in the mouth thing. Like, she looked like she was legitimately about to throw up on that motherfucker. So that was kind of, you know, that was well done. It does make me wonder what PETA thinks about this whole thing a little bit. (laughs) You know, they already got themselves in trouble with the fucking World Wildlife Fund. We don't need PETA, too. But uh, I also, much like you guys, gave it zero beers.
0: Yeah, (laughs) I mean, it's arguably one of the worst, one of the worst things ever. Uh, Let's jump back over here to WrestleMania 17, though. Um, It's... uh, yeah, we got Foley in with a promo in the back, and, man, he looks so young and, like, already kind of full-time retired. It's kind of kind of he wild. Looks like, he looks like Dutch Mantel at this point. He does. He does look like Dutch. He looks straight up like... Yeah, that's, that's absolutely true. He looks like Dutch Mantel at this point. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, uh, that guy just worked way too hard for him to have been retired at this point in his life. But we got a nice little shot of Stone Cold here uh, getting ready for his match against the dastardly rock. Uh, but yeah, the match on the next match on the card here is Kurt Angle versus Chris Benoit. Great promo from Angle on the way to the ring. Um, it is kind of weird to see Benoit in a stare down, just kind of knowing how his life plays out. It always makes me feel really uncomfortable. I don't know why, but like, I don't know, just seeing like the, just the aggression, like in the, in the facials just makes me feel weird. Uh, but the, ch- the chain work in the open was like, just, Phenomenal. I mean, how you don't get better than Angle and Benoit in that kind of situation. They they finally get to it like in more of like a brawl mode after like that whip into the stairs. And like, it was just really great, crisp, technical wrestling. Some really good false finishes with the ref bump and the angle slam that was nice. Uh, the beautiful moonsault into the knees and then the headbutt for another pretty solid false finish. Um, I mean, Angle with the quick roll up and kind of like cheating to win here too is solid. I mean, it wasn't a show stealer. Uh, but it was it was pretty damn good. I gave it I give three and a half beers. Um, we'll snake draft this thing, Jesse. Right back to you, Kurt Angle versus Benoit. What do you think,
1: dude? I really love this match. I thought you know you see Kurt Angle here and man, the promo on the way to the ring is fucking priceless. It's so yeah. good. And his whole uh, his line about yeah, I've seen you guys flag here in Texas. It's missing about forty nine other stars. That <laughs> <laughs> was just one of the most genius fucking weird Healy lines to give ever. Yeah. The, uh, I, it struck me as odd that their gear was so similarly colored. I know Angle's thing is all red, white, and blue and stuff, but typically you don't really see that these days, unless it's yeah. like guy with black hair that's wet versus guy that's black hair that's wet or whatever. That's really the about as far as it goes. But yeah. it was kind of strange to me, and uh, you know, they looked a lot more like a tag team than they looked like they were facing off. But I loved the way that they physically painted that picture of two guys who were definitely heavily talented on the mat, even in the catch wrestling, there's like some brutality and a lot of snaps. And you can tell that they're like both being pretty vicious with it. But I mean, it looked legit, which yeah. is hard to do. A lot of guys cannot convincingly do that without hurting the other dude. And then it kind of builds and builds and builds. And finally, like angle gets his little cheap shot in and the next thing. And it's like, okay, we have the wrestlers wrestler, like kind of going against his own code now and healing out using the fucking steps and using all everything that he can find. I just thought that that was a really great angle to take this in. No pun intended. Uh, One thing I did notice, man, Jack Doan's count it just keeps getting faster and faster and faster throughout this match. Yeah, it's weird. It starts out out fast, and then it just keeps speeding up. Yeah, I just I thought that was very strange for a referee, especially somebody like Doan, He's been with the company for forever. Yeah. But uh, they do the ref bump for the angle tap out, which I thought was genius, and the them trading each other's finishes over and over and over again. The low blow kind of happened right in front of the referee, though. And I, uh, yeah. that seemed a little, like, kind of splotchy. Yeah. But that aside, I gave it five beers. I thought the escalation was perfect. Some of wow. the spots were a little weird, especially that yeah. low blow thing kind of scored it down for me. But it was such a heavy map-based exchange, and telling that story I thought was brilliantly done.
0: Wex, where you at on this uh, Angle versus Benoit match, man? I mean, Jesse, yeah, you pretty much laid it out there,
2: right? I mean, I love how it was, like, the whole map-based thing at the beginning. And like I was telling you uh, the other day, it reminded me of the UWFI rules that Paradigm Pro Wrestling's been doing in their uh, shit. Yeah, you watched any of that? And it's fucking sick. And they were they were literally doing that. It was like all mat based, doing suplex and stuff like that. And like they were working that. And I love how they told that story. Like Kurt Angle was just getting frustrated that Benoit was besting him on the mat, so he's like, <sighs> "Fuck." It. I'm going to resort to those heel. T- We're going to go and brawl now. Cause like, I'm tired cause I can't fucking get the advantage and I should be cause I'm the Olympic hero and Jesse. Yeah. Like basically every, I pretty much have the same notes that Jesse said, like the way they built it up. And I love the end. Like they're both like locking in the cross face and then like the ankle, like you said, both exchanging like each other's finishers and like the, ugh, just great match. And the low blow in the ref did kind of fuck it up for me. And that's the only reason I gave it four and a half beers. But besides that, it was fantastic fucking match.
0: Yeah, I mean, it it was what it was. I, I don't know. I felt like there was quite a few stutters in there. I, it just didn't score that highly with me. Um, but it is what it is. Let's keep moving here on to WrestleMania 22. We get a package for Mickey and Trish, no pun intended. Uh, kind of like a little stalker feud there, too. It was solid. Um, Mickey's such a great heel, too. I really feel like kind of underrated as well. Um, and at this point, dude, Trish is pretty damn good and Mickey's kind of always been good. So the match was really good. I mean, it was, it was not at the level of women's wrestling now, but these two were at least the best at the time. And I didn't hate it. I thought they had a pretty solid match. I thought the work rate was really good. It wasn't too short and it wasn't too long. It was right where it needed to be. I gave this match four beers. I really, really enjoyed it. I thought it was pretty solid. Uh, what do you think about Trish versus Mickey Wex?
2: I'm almost right there with you. I gave it three point seven five beers, and like I thought, it was a very weird stalker sexual assault lesbian. Uh, I'm I'm uh fuck.
0: Lesbian is that what you're thinking of? No, Thesbian? a
2: weird stalker sexual assault lesbian angle. Didn't one. really make sense, but the crowd seemed to loving and. Like, like I said, it was like same thing you said. I was actually surprised about how good the match was. I like how she focused on Trish's leg the whole match. They really told that story great. And like yeah. Trish was fighting basically on one leg for most of the match. And everything Mickey James was doing like heel wise, like her facials and stuff, like looking crazy and like all of her character shit she was doing was on fucking point in this match. And, you know, the classic faction coochie grab reverse spot that they have to edit out the. A little lick between the uh, the V, if you know, what I'm talking about the classic spot. Always, you know, <laughs> even though they didn't show it. We're always going to remember that shit, classic, always going to pop for spot. that. And the I love, and one spot in particular, I really liked besides the obvious classic spot when Trisha's going for like her handstand Hurricane Rana thing, and then she does like a weird thing to smash her knee, and then Nikki James jumped out to the outside and then did that real seductive pin like to. Just helped further the whole fucking story. I thought it was fucking sick. But, yeah, 3.75 beers for Jesse, Breaking the Lawson.
1: Jesse, what do you
0: got on it, man? Uh,
1: I thought the promo was great. Uh, you know, there's a lot of stuff there in it that was kind of startling, which uh, at first I was like, ah, this is just so cheap. And then I was like, you know, well, if I'm thinking about it being 2006 and stuff and some of the other shit that was on television at the time, it's just kind of one of those things where, I'm like, all right, I, got, I see what they were doing here. I see what they were going for. I thought... Trish, man, when she's coming out to the ring, she's got some fucking swagger on her, dude. Like, she is walking oh, like sure, she yeah. owns that motherfucker. Yeah. And the crowd's buying into it, too, man. I mean, you know, the crowd at first was pretty hype as everybody's coming out. Mickey, I don't remember at the time even really noticing Mickey James all that much. And then looking at it from this perspective now, I was like, she's pretty live here. I mean, <laughs> like, crowd oh, had a yeah. lot going on in front of them, you know what I'm saying? Yeah,
3: yeah for but, sure. Uh,
1: I don't think the crowd was ready for an actual wrestling match between them, though. As soon as That's that started, everybody kind of died. And uh, I did notice early on in the match, JR called right across the pecs with <laughs> one of the chops, which I thought was fucking hilarious. That Mickey gets chopped right in the boobs. Yeah. And, uh, you know, JR again on them pectoralis. But yeah. the. Right in the tits. <laughs> the ref, like, wasn't really noting a lot of things here. There was like limbs on the rope that he was, you know, he's like missing counts and stuff. I don't know. It was just really strange to me. I think (laughs) he was trying to like give them room to get something out of this. The crowd was just so opposite what WWE wanted them to be for this. The entire time they wanted Trish to be the face and they wanted Mickey to be getting booed. So, you know, Trish and Mickey go out there. This isn't the rock in Austin. They can't just listen to the crowd and change. They can't like figure out how to rework this match. They got to go out do what they've been told in the back by their agent, even though the crowd fucking hates it They're the great.
2: crowd wanted Mickey James the whole time
1: and um, yeah for sure they they wanted their HLA you know yeah. this is around the time of the and, HLA
0: and they, and uh, they kind they kind, they kind of got it but I mean you know <laughs> but uh
1: you know in looking that up I was I was curious about the booze and I kind of went to look back and see was there something that I just missed here that was like an internet wrestling community thing now, apparently it was just that Trish had been the champ for like 448 days. And, oh and okay. Snail. And Mickey was like out there trying to fuck, and Trish was trying not to. And I think the crowd just sided with
0: Mickey. Like, yeah. just go ahead and. Bang well, her. I mean, they're like, they're like, yeah, they're all like, I mean, we want to too, so we're on side. Like, it, and, it was, it was wild. Us. Woo.
1: So yeah, I gave it two and a half beers. Um, uh, you know, the match wasn't the finish. Really, honestly, I was probably going to go pretty like substantially higher here, but the fucking kick at the end was one of the weirdest fucking lackluster poorly timed like awful looking spots i've ever seen but um i, I didn't mind it at all i thought the I just, thought, I just thought it sucked ass i mean it's it just one of those things but that's the match otherwise is was pretty was pretty solid just that whole thing with the fans i mean you really notice the third man here like they're or i guess fourth man if you count jack doan but whatever but uh <laughs> but yeah two and a half beers is what it got for me
0: yeah i mean I, you know we're we're talking about hla we're talking about uh fine women's wrestling here. And let's jump back over to WrestleMania 17, apparently greatest WrestleMania of all time, but let's, uh let's keep it rolling. There's a regal promo in the back with Kamala. And that's funny. Uh, the gimmick battle Royal promo was something. Um, and they had like a little military fluff piece, which I understand they've been doing that for a while, especially in the early two thousands. They did it quite a bit more uh, angle cuts. Another pretty it's solid amazing. backstage promo yeah. before Benoit gets his shine back, of course, because, you know, 50-50 booking, it's 2001, that's the way it works. Um, the next match on the card, though, is Ivory versus China for the WWF Women's Championship, and as we're going through this card, I'm kind of starting to see a pattern of, like, I think that they set up their WrestleMania cards the same way for a very, very long time, um, and maybe there's a reason for that, but the match here, all I can say is it was short, it was a, it was a glorified squash match for China. Uh, her weave looked good. I guess. <laughs> I don't know. I gave it a beer because it was short. Like, I was. I mean, I gave it a beer literally because it was short. Because I was like, oh my god, please no. Uh, we just watched a match like this with them, and it was so bad. But then, like, it pretty much was fine. Like China just came out and got her shine, like, and got the win. It's what should have happened. Jesse, where you at on Ivory versus China here? Then
1: this one was a dud town for me, dude. I yeah. just. There's, you know, I, my very first note is no one's going to give two shits about this one.
0: <laughs> I mean, yeah.
1: that's pretty much true. The crowd was into the bazooka thing a little bit, I guess. But, I mean, whatever. Yeah, the but, entrance is cool. Yeah. You still can't save this. I mean, it was just shitty. I will say that this is probably the best China ever looked. In a I, agree.
0: Like, I agree. I
1: agree. I agree. Tremendous shape. Uh, the gear wasn't just, like, regular ass black gear. You know, um, she had, like, a little bit of color to her and stuff. I thought she looked great here. It did kind of just seem like something to make her happy here, though. Yeah. Like, uh, Apparently, there is a whole bunch of scuttlebutt about that. It did not, in fact, make her happy because she didn't want to wrestle women at all. So she didn't want to have the belt. She wanted to be in the, you know, a different title picture. Yeah. With dudes. So I don't know. But whatever this was. It didn't do the trick for me. Ivory did some weird fucking thing in the middle of this too, where she like hit her with the back of her hands, kind of like when she's like on top of her, mounting her. She's like backhanding her, but with like soft knuckles. It's like, but her hands are wide open. It was just really strange. Yeah. Um, <laughs> military. The military press drop for the three. Thank God they kept it short. Uh, yeah. Just blip blip blip. Trash trash trash.
0: Wax, give it to me.
2: Hey. You guys pretty much covered it. I'll give it a beer just because China got the victory. It was cool to see her get her little little comeback, and they told the story of her coming back from the Broken Neck. But besides that, yeah, you guys pretty much covered it. What else can I say? It's a squash match. Wex gonna give it to you.
0: Wex gonna give it to you. Oh, man. Big shout-out to DMX, man. I hope everything uh, works out well for him. Let's keep it rolling here. Back on the other side, though, Vince McMahon with his prayer promo was cringe at best. Uh did not, did not, did not, was not into that. Never really liked this whole Vince versus God vibe. I never really found, it just seemed, it seemed, it seemed straight up like a Vince McMahon masturbation thing on creative. It doesn't make sense. The crowd really wasn't into it. Um I don't know, it wasn't great. Uh, but there was a package for Henry, or Mark Henry and Taker, and that was actually surprisingly pretty solid. Um The match here is Mark Henry versus The Undertaker in a casket match, um wex what do you think about mark henry versus taker here um i mean obviously we know you know he's still kind of he's like now the streak is really starting to have wind and has like legs and we're still we're rolling with the streak being a focus on commentary uh but yeah 2006 mark henry is maybe at the top of his game where are you at on a wex i
2: don't know this match just really didn't do it for me for some reason i don't know just because it was like Maybe kind of just because we've been watching WrestleMania 22 and you had that huge ass fucking crowd. And then we're going to this and the crowd is not as big. And like it just didn't seem like WrestleMania. You know what I mean? It's like it didn't seem like a big. It just didn't seem like a big Undertaker match for some reason. I
0: disagree completely, man. I mean, to be totally honest with you, I felt like this was one of the. I felt like Mark Henry had turned the corner at this point. I felt like he was really working at the main event level.
2: It wasn't Mark Henry or The Undertaker. It was just. I don't know, this match just didn't do it for me. It's just and as you and I like did some more research into it. And if you like look at the promos like that was talked about before with Kurt Angle, like this should have been this WrestleMania match should have been Kurt Angle versus The Undertaker. Like that's what it ended up should've been, but things changed and everything. I don't know why. And they had a mat they had a really good match at the previous pay per view before that. But it really should have been WrestleMania. And I don't know. It wasn't bad work from either of the guys. Like they did some solid shit and they I guess They did a classic casket match like the Undertaker did all this classic shit. I gave it three beers. It wasn't, I didn't say it was a bad match. It just for an Undertaker WrestleMania match, it just wasn't like, not one, not a very memorable one. It's not one of those ones that I go back and like, oh yeah, I remember this Undertaker, like Undertaker Mark Henry casket match. It's just, I'm not the biggest mark. Not terrible, but it was, I mean.
0: I'm not the biggest mark for Taker at all. Like, I mean, I, I've, I've kind of... I, like,
2: I will say this. That fucking dive that the Undertaker did over the casket was so impressive. And, like, that deserves a beer in itself just for that dive. Bro, like, that was yeah, sick. I mean, like... I, like, I'm saying the work was not bad. It's just the match just... I guess the... I wasn't emotionally invested in this match for some reason.
0: I'm gonna keep your ass on mute, Wax. I'm just gonna fucking keep I'm your sorry. ass on mute. I
2: mean, but I mean, gave this damn the thing. the work was fucking fantastic. Like they yeah. did great work, but I just three beers. It's right I there thought, in the middle for me.
0: I I, I thought Undertaker. that this is this is the best Undertaker match outside of a match that he have with either Shawn Michaels or Triple H at a what? WrestleMania. What? One of the better ones. I gave it four and a half. Oh, dude. I love it. What are it you even drinking tonight? I what are was you great. drinking on? That's... I, the only spot that I noticed that was rough was when Henry went for the pin after the slam. And that wasn't even a spot. It was just like it was mental error. Like, I mean, that was the only thing that wasn't good in this match. It was I really good. The
2: work was bad. I just, it didn't have that feel for me. It didn't have that undertaker. Like, I
0: don't know, Jesse, take us home, man. Settle, settle this dispute. what do you think about Mark Henry versus the undertaker here?
1: Well, I have to do a little bit of a rewind back to the promo with okay. Vince. and them. The uh, I thought that it was genius that they went from a match with, uh, you know, Mickey James and Trish Stratus, and there's all these shots of like cleavage during the match, and yada yada yada. And then the first shot of this promo is Vince bouncing his pecs in his tank top. Like that definitely was fucking on purpose, just oh, in case anybody had any doubts. But uh, Undertaker <laughs> he looked so part, fucking red,
0: though. It was he just looks so weird. You just fucking spray tan, dude. He was spray <laughs> tan and tanning bed tan.
1: Yeah, it was it was all over the place. It was gnarly, but it's this is the first casket match in WrestleMania history, which I thought was I, for some reason surprised me. I don't know why. But really? Yeah, that
2: surprises the hell out of me too. I feel like he definitely had one before this, but I guess not at Mania.
1: Yeah, the um, I mean, he definitely had it before. Just again, not at WrestleMania. Yeah. I thought it was a weird choice to like have. Undertaker's lighting and the druids and the pyro bring the casket down and then go into that package and then like like have Mark Henry come out after that and then have Taker come out. After, like you already I would have I would have just as soon seen them just like have the casket wheeled out during the package and not see any of Taker's entrance effects until Taker comes out. You know what I mean? Like I thought That's that was fair. weird pacing and it sort of like interrupted the whole thing for me. Whatever Mark Henry's music is here is awful. It's definitely not his classic Hall of Pain, dope. Three ass Six movie. Mafia, yeah, yeah. This it this was would have, like some weird rock song. Yeah, this, this was, like, was
2: not Three Six Mafia at all. Yeah, I'm um, saying this. This is why he. This is not prime Mark Henry.
1: He no. didn't. He didn't. He didn't
2: become prime Mark Henry until he got that song. So this was still like. This is mean, this was still Mark Henry. Finally, you know.
0: I don't got know. It. I feel like he was getting it though. I no, mean, he was I feel...
2: getting it, but don't it, don't it wasn't like
1: another couple of years to be honest with you, because it, it was wasn't prime time. What got mark mean is when it got real intense.
2: What, like whenever was this? Was this when he? When did he start? Is this when he? Before he started doing those fucking strongman shit on SmackDown, where he would do all the fucking uh different well, things. Was he this? He
1: multiple times throughout his career, but when like when he it was when he got mean is when it fucking changed. But anyway, <laughs> the. Um, you know, I just thought that this match kind of dragged on a little bit, and I, you know, as much as I love Taz calling the goozle, which <laughs> is always going to fucking the track me on. the uh, you know, Undertaker power bombs Henry off the fucking top, and they try and call it a last ride. Yeah,
2: it was a jackknife. He dropped
1: not, him. Goddamn fucking last ride. That was a simple old power bomb. It was nothing else. Um, the Tombstone on big ass Mark Henry was kind of impressive. Still, for me, this is a two beer match, dude.
0: Two tried- beers.
1: Yeah, I thought the way that it was laid out and the whole th- – I just thought it was very plotting and, like, not ah, – I just wasn't engaged. It was really hard for me to, like, finish See, the whole thing. And there were a couple Jesse, of those
2: That's five- kind of how I was. That wasn't – didn't it fit? It just – it wasn't there.
1: I, I just, I didn't, it, it I, I just, it did not click for me in terms of being an Undertaker Mania match at all. I thought the way that they used the casket was fucking stupid from the entrance and into all the, we're both standing in the casket at the same time type spots and shit. I don't know. I just didn't, didn't cut the mustard See, for me. I'm, personally. I'm, I'm glad Jesse, Jesse agrees with me somewhat right there.
0: So no, you both sons of bitches. You're just, uh, I miss, I miss Cass. We just had him for one week. <laughs> on this cast, he would he would have definitely been on my side. Jesus Christ, Mary and Joseph. Let's jump back over here to the five year pr- prior WrestleMania, and we have McMahon in the back with another promo. And you know that th- this whole thing felt awkward with me too. Although I do like, I, I don't know, it's a relatively legendary angle with 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 Linda here. I mean, it definitely it definitely struck my nostalgia quite a bit. Uh, I remember absolutely loving this angle. Um, I thought it was hilarious. Uh, I mean, also having, like... Dude, also, the potential of having an actual Nitro show with Shane as the owner is such a missed opportunity not doing that. Like, granted, like... I mean, I look, I get that you could... Like, you didn't have these big stars, and that's why it didn't work. Like, bullshit, man. Like, you could have made it work. You could have used some of those... You could have just, like... Pulled Jericho and pulled, like, other guys that were already there and put him on a WCW show, and it would have worked. It really would have. I think it would have been really, really good. It would have been much better. You could have done this whole invasion thing for years, honestly. I mean, to me, it's much better than a split of Raw versus SmackDown. Moving on, though. The match here is Vince McMahon versus Shane McMahon, and it's sloppy as fuck, but obviously the storyline is just super over. Uh, I mean, dude, Vince takes, like, the harshest, most awful-looking bumps. Like, he just does, like... He just I mean, especially at this point, like he's just not good in the ring at taking anything. And Vince is like straight peppering him with those like jabs. Like, I mean, I mean, Shane is just popping his ass like on a regular basis. I mean, the whole thing with Linda getting rolled down and Trish and the Trish and Steph spot was, you know, good for the payoff of the storyline. I mean, the whole thing is Gaga and gimmicks, but like it's really good Gaga and gimmicks, to be honest. Like, I didn't hate it. Um again, like I remember the storyline kind of glowingly to me. And honestly, Linda when she got up was like pop of the night thus far in the yeah. entire show. Like, well, it, no, it was definitely that... a pop I mean, like night. it shook the building. It was yeah, wow. I, I,
2: have mean, that written down I didn't hate it. You know pop. what,
0: guys? It's all gimmick and gaga. So I rated it as good gimmick and good gaga, and I gave it four beers. I, I didn't hate it. Shane McMahon versus Vince McMahon, four beers for me. Jesse, where are you back on it? The McMahon's. Nice.
1: Dude, I, I really love this match, to be honest with you, just because it's again, I gotta point back. Like, you know, first off, if I was Vince McMahon, I'd probably book myself in an affair with Trish too. I don't see Hell I mean, come yeah. on now.
0: Hell, Hell, yeah? It is one of them things.
1: The uh the timing of the WCW sale was such a beautiful addition to this whole thing. And you know that obviously this is not was not conceived of at the time, but the way that they played it into the angle is fucking sheer genius. Like they had no idea when they started this out that that was going to be part of it. So I think that the way that they did that was fucking great. Shane starts off the entire match by pointing to quite possibly the least impressive collection of interpromotional athletes in history <laughs> accompanied like, by up, John, <laughs> Johnny motherfucking Ace himself with his mullet in full force sitting in that box at the tail end. And it was just, I don't know. It just looked so sad up there. They didn't even have enough athletes to fill the goddamn box. It was like... I didn't get the point. Oh, of being, it was, yeah, it was awful. It like, was it's awful, just yeah. so sad. But um, this one was a big brawl, man. I mean, Shane got a shiner real early on in the match. He got his eye blown the fuck up. They were definitely going at it. You could tell that there was some shit being taken out on both sides here.
0: Oh, for sure.
1: And, you know, the monitor shot looked pretty stiff. Shane is just going balls out like he always does. The whole thing with Linda, you know, Stephanie McMahon's facials were fucking super on display here. I thought they were great. Vince mouthing bitch. Like, that was something that he—you could tell his nipples were hard getting to do that in front of everybody in the oh, world. Yeah,
0: you know what I mean. Like he's yeah, just like 100.
1: There's well, definitely probably,
0: probably more than just his nipples, honestly. But I'm sure. Yeah. But you know,
1: grapefruits anyway. The uh, I, I just thought that you know the whole thing with like Linda having to forcibly watch Shane get his ass kicked, and then that fucking pop of her just standing up. And the reason that it got popped so well is because she did such a good fucking job of being a dead fish that entire time. That's yeah. incredibly hard to do. Like, she just had no reaction and was fucking completely stone cold about it. And it's like, I mean, I know she's old, but she ain't that fucking old. That still takes some yeah. talent. the, um, Shane's finished, the Van Terminator dropkick into the trash can was fucking incredible. Mm-hmm. Uh, that leap across the ring was just super epic. I gave it five beers, you know? I mean, obviously it's, like, it was plenty violent, the crowd was absolutely fucking insane for it. The athleticism of Shane McMahon really, really stood out here. And I don't know. I just thought it was a 5 beer match.
0: Wex, where are you at on this one, man?
1: <sighs> Jesse literally
2: went and covered like every goddamn point. Uh, <laughs> I didn't rate it that high, though. But I thought it was just a goddamn shit show, like the whole Trish and like their whole little fighting thing. That was a complete shit show, but I did like how uh, Mick Foley basically ran at, like, just ran after uh fucking Stephanie McMahon. I started beating the shit out of Vince McMahon in the match, and like, you, dude, just like he said, the crowd that pop for Linda, one of the loudest pops I've ever heard and it's like, wild, yeah. in the of a ma- like in the middle of a match, like in the middle of a match, like when she stood up, it was fucking crazy. And like he said, that Van Terminator at the end, and I guess uh, that's kind of hard for old Paul Heyman just to be on commentary and. Not I'd be like, it's the goddamn fan Terminator. You know, like.
3: Yeah.
2: Yeah. Kind of <laughs> yeah. rough. But uh, yeah, I gave it three beers because just
0: because the type of match it was. But fantastic for what it was. Man, I mean, and here's the thing, too, about them you reusing the same kind of formula over and over. Like another street fight with Vince McMahon. It's and another street fight with Vince like, McMahon yeah. at WrestleMania. It's five years later. And arguably, this is like, I mean, if you if, you know, we all we all love the dirt here on the show. Uh, you know, they, they like the dirt, Connie. Uh, we like the dirt quite a bit. And the dirt is is that Shawn Michaels is essentially the adoptive son of Vince McMahon. And here we are with, you know, he wrestles Shane at 17. And we have Shawn Michaels versus Vince McMahon. Um, and, you know, as is, as is usual with a Shawn Michaels match, I'm going to take the lead here. Uh, dude, I mean, it's a straight brawl from the beginning. And there are, like, some straight potatoes flying also kind of crazy. Like this is one note that like, I don't think anybody would talk about from this match, but like this is Dolph Ziggler's mania debut. Oh, and I his that whole, the whole notes. rap on him is that like, he's, uh, uh, you know, HBK jr. You know what I'm right. saying? Like, it, it, I don't know. It, it was great. I thought, I mean, Sean beat the piss out of Shane too. And that was really good stuff. Uh, I mean, Vince took some stiff ass dome shots, the elbow off the ladder was insane and deserved the pop that it got. And the pop that it got was massive, um, which is super surprising to me, especially considering when we'd already seen, you know, the money in the bank match, we'd already seen a, like, a, you know, we'd just seen, you know, a flaming table match. So like the fact that Sean got that big of a pop off of a, honestly, if we're being completely honest, lesser bumps than had already been taken, that's just proves, The artistry, I think. Uh, I I mean, I loved it. I loved it to death. I thought it was a really, really, really good match. Um, I loved that JR pretty much blew his voice out on the match, too. Uh, He was working his ass off to put it over, and he did a great job. Um, Five solid beers for me. Not five and a half, not four and a half. Right there on a solid five. Um, I did leave one in the six-pack because, I mean, come on, it's Vince McMahon. You you can't do much more than that. But, fuck, Shawn Michaels just made a great match with a broom, essentially, to me. And, uh, honestly, maybe even harder than a broom because at least a, a broom will stay upright all the time. Um, uh, <gasps> yeah, Jesse, what do you think about Sean versus Vince here?
1: Man, I thought the promo package, first of all, uh, this is what I was referring to when in the hall of fame speech, they mentioned that Bret Hart didn't feel comfortable or didn't want to attend the actual WrestleMania event despite being inducted that year. And the promo package heavily, heavily focuses on Montreal and the whole yeah. thing, I mean, it was like a huge fucking splooge in the face to Brett, you know what I mean? Like, that was just when Brett walked right into it, too. I mean, I'm not saying he didn't deserve it because it's like yeah. you're getting you're accepting the Hall of Fame induction, walk your happy ass out onto the stage and smile and wave at everybody, you dumb, fuck.
0: yeah. Like, that just seems and then get good. involved in the match, like come yeah. out and like i sure blow Vince the, or something. That's like,
1: probably why they booked this fucking match in the yeah. first place, <laughs> like, but anyway, on to the match itself. Vince coming in is just in full Vince walk mode, man. Oh, That's yeah. the video game gestures are made of right there. Talk of
0: the walk, bro. Yeah.
1: The muscle and fitness cover I thought was just a fucking great touch. You know, Sean breaking it over his head later on is also a fucking great touch. <laughs> like, that yeah. whole thing I thought was good. The Spirit Squad interference, man, I love that fucking Kenny Dykstra leg drop. Um, first person I ever saw do it, I tried to find the special on YouTube, but I couldn't find it. I seem to recall it was an MTV special of some kind that focused on indie wrestlers, and I thought it was like a true life, but it wasn't that. I don't know. But M-Dog 2020, Matt Cross, who was Son of Havoc and Lucha Underground, was the first person I ever saw do that exact leg drop where he, like, goes up, does the bend back, holds his leg in the midair, and then comes down with the leg drop onto the guy. But that's a fucking dope spot. That's a flying squirrel leg drop. Yeah. Yeah. And then the... uh, We go into, you know, Spirit Squad gets fucking hullabalooed out of the ring and whatnot. Now there's a whole bunch of choking and Shane's interfering, a classic kind of brawl kind of stuff, which, you know, has its place here. Shane played an integral role in the match, which I thought was smart because I don't think that any, it wouldn't have been believable any other way. HBK going for that bigger ladder and coming down, you know, the huge elbow onto the trash can, through the table, yada, yada, yada. The chin music to follow was tough. Vince's finger on the way out was fucking classic. <laughs> that to me was just like the cherry on top of what was a pretty good outing. I only gave it four beers. I thought, you know, it was one of those things that this match probably could have been better suited to be had with somebody other than HBK, but it still like got some real stuff out. And uh I don't know. It looked good.
0: Wex, where are you at on Shawn Michaels versus Vince McMahon here?
1: I am
2: uh I guess in between both of you because I went four and a half beers on this match. And the only reason I didn't go five beers is that it went a little bit too long, just like a few other things on this card, which made one of the later matches suffer. Which we'll get into that once we get to that. But goddamn, this was still fucking amazing. Like it, this is one of those matches that had me hooked just because of every little thing that they were doing. And if it was Shawn, if it if it was any other wrestler and not Shawn Michaels, it wouldn't have been such a it wouldn't have been as good of a match. Like I love when Vince goes for the sweet chin music and Shawn Michaels just catches it and just looks at him like. Nah, motherfucker! Like, what, the <laughs> fuck, what? What? What do you think this is? And just grabs and just yeah, like I love that fucking part, and I love the Spirit Squad interference where uh, Shawn Michaels is just busting everybody with that megaphone, and there's like some white dust inside of it. I don't know what's going on, but every shot there's like dust flying in the air.
0: It's cocaine <laughs> from uh, from Shawn Michaels' past. Oh yeah,
2: maybe that. Yeah, Vince McMahon was trying to um, tempt him to go to his old. Sinner ways, but it's Shawn like Michaels is one with Jesus Christ, as he mentioned in the promo earlier when he did the prayer, and he's like, "I hate God, even though you know love God." But Shawn Michaels, you and God are cool like that. But yeah, I love when they try to do the ass club kiss spot, and Shane gets his ass in his own dad's face. Yeah, I love that. Fucking classic. And like, I loved like that. That's one thing that really got me story wise. How he kept teasing for the Sweet chim Music, and he's like, "No, no, 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 I'm like, nah." I'm gonna fuck you up, like, all right, no, 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 no. I can't end it yet. I'm gonna. Yeah. I, I really want. I really want to fuck you up. And then he gets the ladder, and he's just like, no, no, no. I'm gonna have to get the, as Jr. calls it, the twenty foot ladder, which Cameron would always talk about how that would always throw his perception of height off when he was younger because Jr. would say it's a twenty foot ladder, like when Jeff Hardy went off of it, but it was nowhere near twenty feet. No. But I would think like, oh, twenty feet's that high, but
0: nah, not close. But I love that, uh- and. I mean, if you're standing literally on the top of it, maybe twenty feet, maybe. Yeah, that's if you're like tall. from the top of your head, like. Yeah, yeah. that's if you're. Well, really I mean, everyone's like, I'm saying like average. If you're if you're six feet tall, which most wrestlers are about six feet or taller.
2: Yeah, but I love that, and the most one of my iconic favorite things of all time with Shawn Michaels on the top of the ladder gives the one, two, three fucking suckets, and he goes for the elbow, like, yeah, that just you know that's cl- that that just.
0: He's teasing that setup for DX too Ooh. later on in the year.
1: I know, like, mm, that was great. I fucking love that. Because I three for that. Suckets might be a new name for the three of us. <laughs> the three, three
0: suckets. The three fucking suckets. Jesus. God <laughs> in heaven. Here we go. Let's, uh, let's let's jump back over here. Speaking of ladders, it's TLC 2 back on WrestleMania 17. It's Hardys, Dudleys, and Edge and Christian. Oh, uh, God. I mean, I. Uh, I, I I don't want to take too long on this one just because like I feel like this is one of the most talked about matches ever, but it's for good fucking reason. It's an absolute classic <laughs> to me. This is the best of of the TLCs. Uh, I mean, that swinging spear spot is arguably Dude. the most iconic high spot in history. Period. Ever. Uh, I mean, I can't. I, even- I don't. I don't know if it gets better than that. Um, it's re- just a ridiculous, hard hitting, fast paced just all around intense match. There's not ever a let me up moment in the entire match. And it's, it's perfectly done. Um, and that, th- I mean, it also doesn't hurt that every single human being involved in this outside of, sorry, outside of maybe Rhino is all hall of fame worthy, including the run-ins outside of, sorry, maybe Rhino. They're literally all hall of famers. Like, I mean, it's just, you don't get better than this when it comes you to gimmick Spike matches.
1: Dudley on there and not Rhino?
0: Oh yeah, sorry, I forgot I was spike. Dude, so spike yeah, Spike Spike and Rhino. I love me some no, illness. No, great guys, great guys. But let's let's be honest. Like actual Hall of Famers, probably not. Great great wrestlers. Hall of but... Famers in my heart. Okay, okay. All right. All right.
3: Heart. All right. All right. You
2: fucking
0: I'm just gonna leave you on mute, you motherfucker. All right, yeah. So six beers for me, arguably one of the greatest gimmick matches of all time. I mean, you can't you just can't deny it. Jesse, where are you at on it? Man, I don't see how you could not give this match six out of six. I mean,
1: it's just one of those situations where you know everybody did their part these teams have worked together so much i've mentioned this in the past but they got really good at figuring out how to give one team the powder to have the time to set up an intro weapons and you know kind of get things set up to move the match along without it seeming too contrived. because there was still enough going on and the other team is like okay well you know you're gonna get us out of the ring well look what we're about to have for you like all of it made sense there are little things like there's this excellent powerbomb spot by Dub- uh, by Bubba Dudley on Jeff yeah. Hardy through Edge, through a table. And it's one of those yeah. things where, like, normally, if that spot was in another match, you would remember that spot every yeah. time somebody brought up the match. Yeah. yeah. Not this. Because <laughs> yeah. there's just so much going on that, like, yeah. that is a fucking sick spot, of course. But, like, I don't know. Normally, that would, like, take a rating down for me. But this match just had so much. Even the interference stuff made sense. Yeah. The, um, yeah. I just, I don't know. There were There were little things, like, Everybody kind of shits on, you know, when Jeff attempts the ladder walk and it botches, I know that a lot of people see that and they're like, oh, man, if that hadn't been in there, this would have been perfect, you know, yada, yada, yada. I like that it botched because it just showed. A hundred percent, yes. It showed the fucking truth. It showed that these guys were out here trying shit that they had never done before, and guess what that means? Fucking nobody else had either.
3: Yes.
2: So, it
1: was like, I just thought that it added to the entire presentation of the whole thing. I thought that, you know, it's definitely, definitely, definitely a 6 beer match. I also have to give a shout-out to that hellacious bump from the ladder to the floor by Christian. Yeah. When the ladder gets fucking, you know, they tip him off or whatever, and he goes straight to the fucking ground. And it was, uh, yeah, it just, brutal. it looked fucking brutal. Um, yeah. the, the spots weren't telegraphed too much. There's really no telegraphing if you compare it to the current product in any company, including WWE. So, I don't know. I thought it was fucking great. Six full beers for me.
0: Yeah, dude. Wex, go ahead and climax off this fluff job that we just gave this match.
2: Shit, I mean, I'll, I'm obviously six beers just like you guys, but damn. Yeah. Like, I guess I must have to t- touch on some of the shit you guys talked about. Like, of course, that hanging spear spot, all-time Jeez, classic. Yeah. <sighs> just everything. Like, I, that Christian taking that shit straight to the floor. I literally had that in my notes, too. Like, I didn't have the note about the, the fucking thing with the powerbomb through Jeff through the table, and but I, that that is fucking sick, and of course I didn't. You don't remember that because of all that goddamn crazy shit, like you were talking about. And also, I agree with the ladder botch because it's like the it seems real, and it's like that whole crash and burn aspect of the match. And like all great ladder matches, even Jeff Hardy had a botch in a recent like ladder match. Uh, that was actually one of the No Fans ladder matches had uh AJ Styles in it.
3: You know yeah, talk- yeah, remember
2: that and that bump, like that botch fall bump like. That was a botch, but it made the match fucking that much more intense because it was a real fucking crash and burn situation. I guess it just makes it that more intense. But shit, one of the greatest matches of all time. Like you said, no tele. Like it's. I really don't have much else to say. You guys fucking covered everything because, shit, goddamn, one of the greatest matches ever. I love Spike Dudley. I love Rhino.
1: Let me let me ask you guys something. If you agree with me on this, is this or is this not on your top three match list? If you're gonna show wrestling to somebody who's like never really seen it. Oh
2: 100%. yeah, one hundred percent. Yeah, like this is like like me and my brother. This was like 100%. prime. Like me and him being like Hardy Boy. Like do we love the Hardy Boys back in the yeah. day? But I, we liked the Dudleys and we we liked Edge and Christian. But we were we were Hardy goddamn boy fans. All right. And, like, earlier, remember, like, when they showed the little, I will touch on that, it showed, like, the little autograph signing with the Hardy boys, and they were talking about the match. Fucking worst
1: interview ever by Jeff Hardy. Yeah, but he's
2: just like, you know, he's he's, he's like, you know, it's more personal, it's not really about the gold, it's about, it's more part. you know, I was like, oh, that, even though it was, like, a rough promo, it still added a little touch to it. Because they definitely did not give a fuck about the titles at that point. The Hardys did the most fucking crazy shit out of the whole match,
0: like, body on the line type deal. Yeah, I mean, it, it, you know, it, it, it's an iconic WrestleMania moment. It's something that's going to be put on highlight reels for ever and ever. Um, and even with everything that's happening at some point, Matt Hardy and Jeff Hardy will both go into the Hall of Fame together. Jeff will probably be a two-timer. He'll probably go in on his own um, as well. as And honestly, he probably should. Uh, but let's, let's jump back over here to WrestleMania 22. It's a pretty awful plug for Shinedown because, you know, Shine down's <laughs> awful, and then there's a package for Orton and Mysterio and Angle. Now look, like the storyline is trash. It's awful, and then like okay, so the match here, the match itself is great, but the storyline, this whole like you know Eddie's in hell and blah blah blah, like it's very distasteful, especially when you're already using, um, you know the Eddie Guerrero thing in your Hall of Fame situation. You know what I mean? Like you're already you already are. are you know, kind of giving this guy shine, but then you're also piggybacking and keep him in, keep, keeping him in an angle. And I know that, like, Vicky said, like, you know, it, it was fine. Like, I don't have any issue with that. But, like, I don't know. I mean, I, it just... It doesn't feel right to me. Um, any any th- any thoughts on that promo and how they at least build the storyline up to this point, Jesse? Oh, I hate that
1: song so much. They use yeah. it, like, three, four fucking times in the show. It's terrible. Um, but, yeah, I don't know. This just seemed like a... You can tell through the match really and we'll get to it but you know this wasn't they weren't confident in what they were doing here they were trying to pay tribute and they wanted to build off of it but there was so much about the booking of this that was fucked up and I just didn't really none of it made sense to me it was one of those things where like you know no matter how much you hate Randy Orton that nobody means that type of shit in earnest so it just immediately is fake
0: right yeah any anything else to add on this promo and how shitty they used Eddie on this one Wex
2: Yeah, it was very cringy, very shitty, very terrible.
0: Yeah, not a good look. Not a good look. Also having P.O.D. play for 15 fucking minutes. I I literally
2: started fast forwarding. I I couldn't take it.
0: I was like, Jesus fucking Christ. I swear to God, the song had like eight verses. Like this whole like intro was just forever long. And then Rey Mysterio with his like headdress. It, It was just it was it was too much. Uh, Mysterio versus Orton versus Angle here. The match. Wex, what do you think about this triple threat match for the World Heavyweight Championship?
2: Well, the match itself uh, was pretty sick for what it was and the time they were given because obviously, I, of course, did some research in this match, like I've been doing on most of this shit, and we could tell by some of the earlier matches that went too long and stuff that didn't even need to be on the card, which severely cut time on their match, and they were told, like, before the match, like, oh, like... However, many minutes are cut off of it now, and they're like, fuck. So it was, you could tell, you could kind of tell that things were rushed. And besides the fact that it kind of was fast and kind of was rushed, I mean, it was fucking solid work. Like, dude, Kurt Angle was in there fucking doing some fucking work, putting in numbers like that double fucking German suplex. Like, yeah, it it reminded me of like a more of a lucha style match, honestly, because of how fast paced it was. Yeah. But shit, dude, Kurt Angle and Rey Mysterio were the two best combo like working in the match and I love like some of the spots that pulled uh damn it. My eyes twitching, I can't see. Sorry. <laughs> oh yeah. But uh when Kurt went to the went to the six one nine and then he caught him into the ankle lock.
3: <laughs>
2: nah, seriously, my eyes like twitching hard and I couldn't fucking read the line. It's all that devil's
0: lettuce you've been puffing on over there, Wex.
2: I don't know if that's the reason, uh, but it's, it's possible. <laughs> but I I did note that um uh, Michael Cole, like the Shot before the match, he was like, well, That was before the match. So that's no disqualification. But wasn't it a triple threat match? Doesn't that like automatically mean no disqualification?
1: Yeah, I called that out too. See, I, I yeah, I'm
2: not the only one. And I noticed that this, this is the time that Kurt Angle had the remixed, weird, forced version of his song where they couldn't go, You suck. Yeah. It was like, just all fucking weird. But yeah, I hated Randy Orton back then. And Even though he didn't really mean the Eddie Guerrero shit, that just gave me more of a reason to fucking hate him. He always had a smug-ass face. He always has a smug face now. But when he was younger and he had like no facial hair, he had a real smug-ass face. And he was a little puffed up off the roids. I don't know what it was, but <clears throat> I didn't like that. But Ray had a little bit of botch. But he recovered for it, and it was funny seeing a little Dominic and Aaliyah in, like, at the side of the ring like in the crowd. thought that was funny. Because they looked, it's Dominic a little bit older from the ladder match, but obviously not as old as we know him now. And that was a good feel-good moment to see Rey Mysterio win the World Heavyweight Championship. I gave it four beers. If it just had a little bit more time, you know, it probably could have been a little bit better.
0: Yeah, I'm kind of in that same boat. I thought the triple German was absolutely sick that you already mentioned. I mean, I thought the overall work was really damn good. And honestly, I thought that, like, if they had been given more time, This could have rivaled like the the WrestleMania 20 match. It could have been it could have been you know one of the greater triple threats at at WrestleMania that we'd ever seen. It just they definitely got cut short on it, but it was really good for sure. I gave it four and a half years. I liked it a little bit more. Jesse, where are you at on it? Man, uh, not close to y'all. The. Ray's entrance was just so
1: fucking long and for the amount of stuff that was going on and it it was just it was way too long like a lot of it was just him climbing up and down from where P.O.D. were you know and it was just not impressive really at all I didn't think Um, the only acceptable part of that live performance was the rapper guy who I'm pretty sure is not typically in P.O.D. because he's definitely not the front man but uh, I don't think he is the. I do love this era Randy Orton's entrance. That thing with like the falling like cascade sparks of fireworks or whatever. I've always kind of loved that. That was always my entrance in the video games when it came about. Like, I don't know. There's something about that got me. Uh, in terms of the work, man, here's the thing about this match that really makes me not like it. Obviously the length, but that's also been somewhat attributed to the length of Ray's entrance, which apparently nobody really knew about going in that it was going to be that fucking long. But he took his time. And that cut into the match for sure. The um, the sequences were great. You know, Orton's kind of getting the shit in a little bit, trying to play a heel. Angle is being put off as a heel here, so Ray's the only face against two heels. But the crowd, you could tell, is definitely on Angle's side. He was kind of tweener, but you could tell that they were trying to play him up against Ray a little bit. But what didn't make any sense to me is all of the weird distraction stuff. Like, you have the ref distracted while Ray's tapping, which to be the one face in this match makes no fucking sense. I mean, you're completely right. just cutting his legs off there. And then you have one where he misses Orton tapping. Now, that makes sense with the face heel dynamic, but it got the crowd way more behind Angle. So at this point, the crowd is red hot, wanting Angle to take this fucking thing home. It's a Chicago crowd, so they're loud as fuck. Whatever they want, they make known. That's just one of the most dynamic, loud crowds in all of wrestling history. The uh, slip on the 619 around the post was unfortunate just because you could tell what he was going for, and it would have been super epic, but that little, like, snafu was just kind of like, ah, that's just an unfortunate missed spot. They did a lot in this match to protect Angle. To me, it was blatantly obvious that they were not confident in the booking decision at all. Like, they really just, like, kept it to where if they needed to put the strap back on Angle, they could. And then a few months later, they launch ECW, and where the fuck's Kurt Angle? So. Just weird all the way around. I gave it two and a half beers. I just thought the booking was extremely lackluster. I thought that the entire match angle lacked a confident direction, And obviously, the length of the match made it score lower for me.
0: Yeah, that's fair. It is what it is. Uh, Let's hop back over here to WrestleMania 17. And uh, we have a little promo package after the TLC. It's kind of cool to see the evolution of access over the years. I think this is kind of the early stages of of what they were doing. Uh, Seeing that original XFL logo really popped me. Um, Bruce Pritchard Jr. apparently spent spent two hundred and five dollars on a Mr. Socko. Uh, I don't know if you guys (laughs) noticed that, but that dude straight up looked like Bruce Pritchard Jr. Like it was ridiculous. Like it popped me completely. Uh, I thought it was super funny. Um, But yeah, I mean, on to the main event of the evening. In my mind, it's Mean Gene and Bobby Heenan on commentary for the gimmick battle royal And dude, listen, like I know they had this one time and I get that like, you know, most most of those gimmicks are like very different now. But I mean, it's twenty twenty one. I mean, I know we have the covid thing, maybe next year, maybe the year after something like that. But like I want I want another gimmick battle royal and I want you to bring in like Paul London and I want like, you know, like the Mexicals to come in. You know what I mean? Like I want it to be like have the Bashams come in, have like have Eugene, have Eugene come in have Billy and Chuck come in. Like, you know what I mean? Like, pay Billy the one-off. I'm sure Tony Khan would let him do it. Of course he would. Um, of course he would. Of course he would. Um, but yeah, I mean, it, anyway, the match itself was absolute trash. It was gutter trash. It was the worst. Um, but the comedy was there. Bobby the Brain being on commentary was great. And it was short mm-hmm. and sweet. Everybody got their entrance. Every ton of legends got a payday. And the match ends with Sheik and Slaughter. I mean, you can't because it was so quick too. It's like, this is the best possible way to have done this. It was, it was really well done. I really enjoyed it. Uh, I gave it two and a half beers because like for guys that can't really work for them to all get the nostalgia pop that we wanted them to have. And then for it to just be over pretty quick and we, it ends in a ha ha moment. Like, I don't know. That's really well done. That's good booking to me. Um, you know, two, two, two and a half beers somewhere around in there for me, Jesse, where are you at on that gimmick battle Royal? This match has one of my favorite commentary
1: lines on planet earth, which is as the iron Sheik is making his entrance and Bobby, the brain, says, by the time the iron Sheik gets to the ring, it'll be WrestleMania 38. Yes. I uh, just watching his His bowlegged yeah. ass walk down. That ramp was just fucking perfect. Felt kind of bad for old Duke Drozzy. Cause nobody in this crowd had any fucking clue who he was. Like yeah. <laughs> nobody yeah. remembered yeah. the poor dumpster. Um, uh, you know, there were a lot of these guys that didn't look bad for this era, you know, in, in terms of, like, like, like Earthquake, great example, looked fucking great here for, you know, his age and how long he had been out. Uh, Uncle Fred was just as big as ever, old tugboat-looking ass. Hillbilly Jim looks exactly the same.
2: Yes, he looked fantastic,
1: oh, and, I thought. He probably looks exactly the fucking same as we speak. The uh, I thought it was funny. They pointed this out on an episode of Something to Wrestle, so, of course, this time when I watched it, I noticed it. But Bruce and Cornette kind of hiding in the corner the whole time. Yeah. (laughs) It's so fucking funny after I actually noticed it because you can tell they're over there just taking it easy on each other and just really trying not to go out of their space and get involved with anybody else until Corny gets eliminated. Um, And then Cheeky Baby wins because he cannot
0: take an over the top rope bump. Yeah, he just can't do it.
1: (laughs) So that, that just tells the story of this whole thing. I gave it three and a half beers mostly because if yeah. you're going to have filler in a WrestleMania and a pallet cleanser after yeah. something as crazy as TLC2 yeah. before you get into the last couple of series, matches, booked. Yeah. Uh, this is the kind of filler for this guy.
0: Perfectly booked. You advertise the gimmick Powder royal. People are hyped to see it, but they know it's not going to be a five-star match. So you put on an absolute banger before it. So that way it's a great let me up. But at the same time, it's not a popcorn match because you want to see all these entrances. You don't want to yeah. miss all these legends. Um, I, I, completely agree. It's, this is, I mean, too, this, this is, uh, you know, I know we say arguably one of the best WrestleManias. maybe we're going to, maybe we're going to argue about that later on, but I do say that this is the best booked WrestleMania of all time. Wex, what do you think about this gimmick battle Royal?
2: Hey, like you said, the match itself wasn't much of a
0: match, but the whole
2: like pageantry around the match and just all the fucking cool shit that was going on, all the different all the different entrances of all the legends. And like you said, hillbilly jim looked great and he got probably one of the biggest pops out of all the legends for some reason which was like such a random choice out of everybody like all right we're just gonna pop hillbilly jim in chicago whatever but uh yeah it was sick and i love the whole sergeant slaughter thing at the end and there was a great line from bobby the brain heenan during his entrance it showed the machine guns and he goes yeah now he goes now all he does is shoot blanks like ooh, bobby the brain heenan was on point he's the he's what made Really, this match a lot better than what it was.
3: Oh, for sure. I gave sure, it three
2: yeah. beers for the brain and shiki Baby, because I mean, how how can anybody hate either of those guys? Yeah, I
0: feel like so we we were all within about a half beer of each other. We all kind of enjoyed it for what it was. Really well done, really well put together. Let's jump back over here to, to WrestleMania 22. Um, definitely too much focus on the Eddie stuff. It was a little a little much for me. Honestly, it made me feel weird. Uh nice little shot of uh, John Cena and his stocking feet, though. That's nice. I like seeing John Cena in socks. That just made me laugh. I don't know why, but I don't know. Just made me laugh seeing John Cena in fucking straight up Hanes socks. Um, but uh, then we kind of like, uh you know, we have we have the next match here. It's um, Candice Michelle versus Tori Wilson in a Playboy pillow fight match. Uh, I watched this on Peacock, and they certainly didn't edit anything out. Uh you know, the puppy ass to the face kind of popped me. I thought that was pretty funny, uh, even though i f- I feel like Peta would definitely not appreciate that. I mean, Tori Wilson's just wicked hot at this point, too. I don't know if honestly, in my opinion, I don't know if there's a if if we're talking about all personal opinion, I'd say Tori Wilson's in the top three hottest women ever in professional wrestling. She's just ridiculous. Uh, I mean, it's objectifying for sure, but it is entertaining, and it definitely fit the culture at the time. I gave it one beer because it wasn't even the worst women's thing that I had seen in the in the attitude era. One beer from me. Um Jesse, where are you at on this one? Uh,
1: um, I uh, it was interesting choice by jr. to reference uh, Gotch and Hackenschmidt Schmidt at the beginning of this match. It certainly uh, was. yeah, that's <laughs> that's a choice. That's the choice. It goes into the evening gown gimmick really quick. I mean, I don't get why they call it a pillow fight other than to use the Playboy branding, which, of course, we all understand that. You know what I mean? Um, I I really didn't. The dog ass spot really got me the wrong way. I don't know. There's something about it as well as I'm watching it that I was just like, Good God, like this. Oh, I popped um, me so hard. I laughed. I fucking laughed. Just already so like trashy. and you know this is this is the let me up match five years later. This is nowhere yeah. near as fun. you know what I mean? Like it's just, I don't know. There's some like they attempt I think it was Candace that attempted an axe handle and like barely grazes Tori's hair pretty much. And the whole cutting the dress spot just went horribly wrong, didn't work at all. The magazine spot was a whole bunch of time wasted for no fucking reason at all. I just thought, I mean, it was just really, really, really... This was my, uh, I'm, I'm going to coin it here first, my thank God it's overmatched of the week. He had it zero beers. I understand why they did it, but it was ridiculous. It was awful. It did not deserve space on the card. You easily, easily could have put Mickey and Trish here, and it would have made perfect sense.
0: Wex, what are you at on it? Whew. I thought it was
2: a... Uh, I wrote... Tori versus Candace Michelle Playboy Bunny bullshit. I gave it negative one beers. So I took a beer and oh, wow. poured it out because I thought it was goddamn trash.
3: I put yeah.
2: kill nice. me now, please. <laughs> they're doing moves. They're doing back body drops onto a goddamn bed. Like what? Is that like what the <laughs> fuck? Like they're doing wrestling moves onto a goddamn mattress in this match. Like, I mean they're Playboy Bunnies though, you know? And then and that's one thing I was like going to get at. They're promoting like their whole playboy bunny thing. Like imagine. Got a hell yeah though. Like <laughs> imagine them like promoting any of their wrestlers now as a playboy bunny. Like it just like, imagine that like Asuka or Charlotte being promoting as ooh, the the newest playboy. Like I just,
1: I, I could, could see, I could see Charlotte. Uh, I don't yeah,
2: Charlotte. You know. Yeah, maybe I could, but still, I'd be
1: quicker to buy Oscar myself. But yeah, but especially,
2: but but think about it though, especially after like all the nude leaks and stuff, like the Charlotte ones that were just kind of weird to look at, and then you know the Page, Brad Maddox, Xavier Woods type B. You know what I'm talking about.
1: We Y'all all know what Memphis you're Champions talking about. We all saw the NXT, NXT, NXT Divas Champions. title got what it deserved.
2: Jesus yeah, so. Christ. Yeah, I'm, I was just thinking about that whole, like, thing, how just that Playboy bullshit would not work in today's, but, like, four minutes of WrestleMania basically wasted here. Ray, Kurt, and Randy could have got those four minutes, and, uh, I could have helped them benefit a little bit. I mean... This, this does not deserve to be on the card. This should have been on Sunday night heat, like, pre-tape bullshit.
1: Get the fuck out of here. I mean... If they had to put it on here, imagine if they just switched it with Mickey and Trish. Yeah, okay. You know, if they yeah. had to get the TNA thing in here, which, I mean, arguably, I think you had plenty in the Mickey and Trish
2: match. You but could have took the Booker T Gold Dust match out and put that there in place. Booker there T Boogeyman. Man, don't shame oh, Gold Oh, yeah,
1: not Gold Dust. No,
2: Gold Dust was that. in the pre-match Mind promo, you. and it was Oprah Dust. Sorry, Oprah Dust. Goodness gracious.
0: Goodness, goodness gracious. You get a car. You, you, you get a car. <laughs> We're, do we have anything else to add to this one? No. No. Nothing oh, left at all. Shit. Let's move on to the next show. Uh, man, I mean we had a nice package for Triple H versus Taker here for the first time and Motorhead absolutely killed this intro. Uh, it's aggressive from the start and I would argue that this is probably peak performance bell to bell from both guys, to be completely honest. I would say they're physically in their best like mode. Not to say they didn't have even better matches after this, but like their actual athleticism, both guys, I feel like, are kind of at their best. Uh, the old school counter was really good. Uh, I mean, it's it's weird because it, it kind of feels like there's no true heel or babyface, but I guess that also kind of sums up 2001. Great back and forth. Some legit good scares that Triple H might actually get to win. Um, I can go ahead and say, though, again, like Sean and Hunter are Taker's best ever WrestleMania opponents. There's just no way around it. Uh, I, this match was really good. You, uh, you just can't argue with it. Four and a half years from me. Really enjoyed it. Jesse, where are you at on Taker versus Triple
1: H? It's kind of wacky to think that Taker faced Triple H at WrestleMania before he faced Sean.
0: You know? Yeah. I, you would
1: think that back in the day they would have been yeah. head-to-head, but really Taker wasn't built to that point. Or it wasn't in the main event because it didn't need to be more than anything, really, except for that yeah. year with Sid, which, look. But anyway... Yeah. I thought Motorhead killed it too. Uh, there were some people online that kind of talked shit about Motorhead's performance here, and I don't get it. Like, I thought it was fucking
0: stellar. No, it was great, yeah.
1: That whole entrance was great. And Taker's whole entrance is great. I mean, in Houston with Taker rolling out on the bike and the whole yeah. thing, everybody was fucking hyped. The crowd yeah. was just super into this. The poor Spanish announce team, man, they just can't keep any kind of table. They've got a replacement table, and that one gets broke too. This Every just, time, you know, one of them things. I have a lot of notes that say poor Kyoto. <laughs> He kept, like, cowering away from Taker and then just getting killed in the middle of the match. But um, I did notice there are a couple of different weird things that you don't see enough. Like, the multiple cover attempts in a row is something that has been kind of taken out of wrestling. Yeah. Which, like, you know, they always used to explain away by the opponent having to waste their energy by kicking it out. And I like that touch. And you just yeah. really never see it anymore. They uh, brawl all the way to the tech platform. And then this is where shit gets dicey for me. The very obvious crash pad exposed by the elbow drop, which was basically just a crash pad that had like pipe and drape drape over it. (laughs) It was just one of those things that I was like, good God, you could have completely left that chokeslam spot out. Like even if they had just kind of gotten to the floor and did some shit, it would have been fine.
0: it, It didn't really need to happen. Yeah.
1: Yeah. But then you just have to blatantly expose that it's bullshit. And I don't know that, that heavily affected the score on this one for me and really made me sour on the match as a whole. Um, it, was, it, it was pretty interesting to see that the security was having to mow the audience out of the way to get back to Ringside. Like the live audience couldn't see most of that at, at that time, especially the ones that were right by yeah. the ring. So
3: right. they're still
1: hella into this motherfucker. Tombstone happens to know ref. Apparently, this is the only fake sledgehammer that Triple H ever used, but this is the
0: oh, time. Oh, shit.
1: Well, that's just what he says, but only the head of it was fake. The handle was real, and because he like missed how he was supposed to crack him and cracked him in the head with the handle, he actually legitimately hurts Taker with the quote-unquote only fake sledgehammer that he ever used, which I think is fucking hilarious. Uh, Undertaker gets the last ride for the win. I gave it three beers. I thought it was a good match, and the story was there. You know, the whole thing made sense, but yeah. that fucking crash pad spot just killed it for me, dude.
0: Yeah, I don't know. Also, too, I feel like that's just not fucking true. I feel like that's all of him saying that, but Wex, where are you at on this one?
2: I enjoyed this match a lot. Uh, like you said, I literally had the exact same thing written down. Like, this is peak Undertaker athleticism. Like, he's moving yeah. so much faster in this match than, like, I can really recall him moving in most any other match, especially a WrestleMania match. Like, him and yeah. Triple H are definitely on their game at this point, and, dude, like like both of you said, dude, I even think Motorhead's like Motorhead's rendition of the game's intro is better. It's like a little bit faster and like yeah. just more badass. Like I was just like, dude, this is like awesome. Like, yeah, dude. And the me, mu- I mean, like their music was on point. Like in the little like, Wee-w-wee. like dude, fucking crazy, fucking sick. And this is when Undertaker really started using the term "my yard" because in those pre-match promos, he was like, "This is my yard," and I was like, "Yeah, this is kind of like." The beginning of that thing because he really did that yeah. with the American Badass and I really popped for uh, Triple H when it showed him with that leather hat that he used to always wear, like the backwards <laughs> like yeah. Samuel L. Jackson like like yeah. biker hat like I don't know I always thought that thing just like made because this is like prime Triple H like I was a big Triple H fan at this time like pretty much when he did the Evolution thing is when I was kind of like eh I wasn't uh, as on board with old Triple H but yeah way better than Kid Rock and limp Biscuit Motorhead I'll tell you that goddamn it. And the funny thing is, The Undertaker is, like, the biker guy dressed up. Somebody who looks like he would listen to Motorhead, but he comes out to fucking Fred Durst, which still does not make sense to me this day, how that fit his character. Like, that doesn't... Whatever, no, but yeah.
0: No sense, yep. Follow
3: the money.
2: Yeah, but the match, like, <laughs> itself, though, fantastic. Like, the crash pad did really... Mm, yeah, it did kind of suck, but like you said, like, the fucking sick, the tombstone the to no referee, and... I really thought a few times, like you said, Jesse, they had me like, oh, triple, oh, he, he might do it, he might pull it off, but like, yeah, if it wasn't for that crash pad, yeah, and the fact, yeah, really, that's the only uh, bad thing I had on that is the crash pad, and uh, yeah.
0: that's that's the only thing, like, it really is the only thing, and so honestly, it's like the, it bump. Beers. the bump, the bump as it was, like, you could have gotten away with it, as it was like, you didn't yeah. really have to have the crash pad. You know what I'm saying? Like the like, same,
2: and they, yeah. And like, that's funny. They kind of had that same problem with the other match earlier in the night with, uh, was it Kane and Raven? Like anytime they were in the crowd, so many people were just like fucking flocking over there. It was outrageous. Yeah. But I mean, yeah. if I was down there, I would have been that, I would have been that motherfucker running up like with my digital camera trying to snap the little photo too. I would have been in there.
0: Yeah. I agree. I agree. Uh, yeah. The next match on the card here is the main event of WrestleMania 22. It's Triple H again versus John Cena for the WWE Championship. Uh, Both entrances were absolute extra nacho Little Caesars cheese. Um, (laughs) But yeah, I mean, I mean, these dudes got, I mean, they have it going on for sure. They have great chemistry. Um, I mean, these guys just, they just knew how to work the crowd. And the crowd was definitely there for it. Uh, It's strange how it it felt like halfway through the, this match in particular, it was almost like a double turn. It was, I feel like maybe 2006 was really the beginning of the anti-Cena. Like it was like, people were already kind of starting to be tired of him then, even though he right. arguably had another fucking decade run as a baby face. Um, but yeah, I mean, there were some really incredible false finishes here in this match. I mean, just really well put together. Um, I mean, these guys had some like rock and Austin level false finishes. I mean, it was a very, very good match. The chemistry between the two of them was great. I, you know, easily, easily best match of the night. And, and, and that's not, and that's, that's hard to do, especially with the performers that we have on the card. I give it five beers. I, I really enjoyed this match. Triple H versus John Cena. It felt right to me. Um, the finish felt well, well put together. Everything was the way it should be for a WrestleMania main event. And, uh, yeah, I don't have much else to say. Five solid beers for me. Wex, where are you at on Triple H versus John Cena?
2: I'm very close, but not quite the five, but very close. And I thought that Triple H's entrance was really fucking sick at this WrestleMania. I guess that was the first time he ever did the throne thing. And he even got to have two theme songs in his entrance. He got the whole King of Kings, and then he still got the game. He got yeah. got both of them. And what I thought was pretty funny about it, though, he's like in the throne, has all like this medieval garb, but he's just still holding on to a fucking water bottle. Yeah, I just thought that was a nice touch. He's yeah. Just like gotta have my classic Triple H. Should have just bottle. had a goblet like that had water in it. Ex- exactly, but you know he's he's Triple H. He's gotta have his signature his signature thing. And you know, John Cena did get CM Punk with him in his entrance, as everybody always famously talks about because they were in Chicago and you know he just signed or whatever. But I did make a note, just like you talked about. This definitely, I feel like, was the beginning of the Cena hate. Cause I'm pretty sure there was a "fuck you" Cena chant. If I, if I'm correct, or something about it was something close to that, but I. They were definitely not liking John Cena in Chicago, and, like, he was supposed to be coming in as the baby face, and the crowd was like, no, fuck you, we like Triple H, clearly from the get-go, yeah. and they they worked it pretty fucking good. Like, I thought they made it work, and I love how Triple H was kind of, like, being like, I'm the wrestler, and you're not going to out-wrestle me, and he had to result to doing... JR's like, John Cena street tactics, which <laughs> I thought that was pretty funny, huh? his straight tactics I would never him being like a street guy, but I mean, yeah. makes sense. But yeah, triple H pretty much had, was, I loved how he was in control the whole match, even though he was, yeah, they, they still worked it great. And the crowd just fucking made this match so much more intense. Like the atmosphere and the energy for it was fantastic. I enjoy that. Jerry, uh, the King Lawler was, uh, talking about it. And he goes, let's go. Cena, Cena yeah, suck and sucks. sucks. And as he did that, they hit the neck breaker on the mat at the same time as he said, Sucks. And it just, uh, it was just like fantastic. It just flowed great. And I love fucking like the epic slow count to Mike Kiota after he'd already been hit and he was overselling like the dick the wrong way yet again, just holding down onto his crotch. Even though it's supposed to, it runs up your belly, guys. You don't hold on to your crotch that long unless like you actually ripped like a nutsack or something like that or like, you know, ripped your foreskin open. Pull, pull, pull one on actually. Don't want to get a foreskin rip, but yeah, the sledgehammer spot classic you were talking about. He o- the only time he ever heard him. I've heard that same story before, even though Daniel doesn't agree. Thinks it's just that kayfabe bullshit.
0: But that was a different match. Oh, yeah, <laughs> totally different well, match. So
2: he knocked him out with a sledgehammer. And I this swear was to God, it's just a good I old have sledgehammer. Kept you
0: on fucking mute this whole goddamn show, Wex. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Don't punch me in the dick, please.
0: You but son dude, of a bitch.
2: Torrent yeah, I like the tap out victory, the STFU for the win. That's what's when it was still called the STFU. And the FU was still called the FU pre attitude era bullshit. I mean, not attitude era, pre attitude adjustment bullshit. But yeah, solid fucking match. The fans, the crowd really made it even more intense than it was. Four beers. The fans like looked shocked when he won, but like, it's Super Cena. What are y'all? I guess they had, they weren't exactly, we weren't Super Cenaed up 100% at this point. We were like 80% the way there.
0: I swear to God, Wex, we're going to have to have a match. And Jesse's going to have to fucking special guest referee. And I'm going to have to open your ass up. Jesse, what do you think about this fucking main event, man?
1: Man, John Cena's entrance just, uh, they, what a misstep, I thought. You know, like the weird Looney Tunes music and shit with the Elliot Ness readover just remind me of a Bugs Bunny cartoon. And like I, I, the whole like him, him coming out with the trench coat and the mobster hat was the weirdest fucking look. It just didn't work. None of it worked for me. Oh, of course. I just, I don't know. I didn't i didn't like one bit of it. The, um, the Triple H is definitely, the Chicago crowd was all the way behind him. This is yet another example on this same show of the crowd just being like, hey, if we don't like something, you're going to fucking know about it. Yeah. We're going to figure out how to let you know about it. And 17,000 str- strong crowd, easy for me to say. One of those situations where, they definitely made their fucking presence known throughout this match. I thought both guys did a really great job of working a pretty classic WWF main event style match. And when I say WWF, I mean, WWF, I mean that classic main event. Like it doesn't have to be a whole bunch of high spots, but they took you on a ride. I think everybody, you know, if they're anything like my reaction to it, you stayed hooked throughout the whole thing, which I'm not really the biggest fan of either one of these guys in a main event setting for the most part, um, especially not at this juncture, but I thought this was a really good match. Somebody pointed out in a different podcast, I think it was another uh, Conrad Thompson podcast, where they compared the FU to a Death Valley Driver, which is not something that I've ever thought in my entire life. I've just Me never, either. like, it's a fireman's carry fucking tossing slam, I guess. I don't know, but it's not Death Valley Driver. I, I just thought that was really weird. And they just acted like that was, like, common knowledge,
0: and I just, no, I don't it, know. Uh, see, I'm I'm kind of with that. I feel like it's just a really bad Death Valley driver. It's yeah, it's no, a you gotta go all the way down with them on a D. I, no, I, I I agree, but that's all it is. It's a bad version of the D. It's
2: an inverted burning hammer.
0: Yeah, that I would say. Well, no, I would say. I mean, a burning hammer to me is just an inverted DVD. You're supposed to land on their fucking head. Yeah, I you're guess so. A burning hammer. Like I'm talking
2: yeah. about the Tyler Rex version. of That the was,
0: Bur- by the way, that was my finish back in the day. Was the burning hammer? The burning hammer. Oh
2: yeah, actually, Tyler Rex had to quit doing his version of the burning hammer because he couldn't do the real one. He did more of an Fu version, and John Cena actually went and complained about it, and then he couldn't do it anymore.
1: I believe it. Right after he fucked Mickey James, but the. Uh, uh, you know, they busted sledgehammer out. Everybody knew that was coming at some point in time. There's a really great close to account. Uh, you know, you mentioned that too, X. I just think that Kyoto did great work here. The locking of triple H's hand during the STFU, I thought was a really nice touch. Like Cena wrapped his hands up to keep him from getting to the rope at one point. And I just thought that was great. The fact that Cena got the clean win via submission in this match was huge. That's just not something that I expected to see. I just didn't really remember this match, frankly. And it kind of surprised me. Um, I gave it four beers. I mean, again, the crowd was a big factor. It was a good main event style match. There are some Cena lovers in the crowd. Like, it's not complete Cena hate, but, man, they didn't really adapt to anything with the crowd again. And in this situation, I think they probably could have a little bit better. But Triple H did get a lot of offense, and he stayed in control the whole time. There's a lot of really good false finishes. So I do think that there's at least something for the crowd to hook their teeth into.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, And here we are, man. It's the main event of both shows. It's Austin versus The Rock on WrestleMania 17. Uh, Man, the the package here, I mean, again, I I feel like this out of the three, the the three Rock versus Austin matches, this is the best one. Bell to bell, this is the best one. Um, I mean... Just great sequences, great psychology. The table spot was sick. I I know that that the angle didn't really pay off with Austin turning heel. But at the time, in the moment, the swerve was so monumental. And the crowd, like, was there for it. Like, people act like they weren't and, like, try to rewrite that in history. But when you watch it back as a one-off moment, like, it was massive. I mean, Austin shaking McMahon's hand was massive. It was a huge moment. Like, it really was. I, I thought... It was well done. I think that they just dropped the ball on how they booked it moving forward. Uh, but it was—I I thought it was great. I thought the match was phenomenal. Five and a half beers. Wex, I'm going to save your bitch ass for the end. Austin and Rock. <laughs> Jesse, what do you think about this one? Man, I mean, I've got to agree on the bell of the
1: bell. And you got two guys in there who, the way that the crowd was reacting, again. They wanted Austin to be—Austin was their guy. I don't care what anybody did with the turn. I don't think it's that the crowd wasn't into the turn. The crowd was into the match. I don't think they gave a fuck who was the heel and who was the face. They were into both guys. I mean, both guys just had electricity fucking dripping off of them. And Rock yeah. had only begun doing heelish shit again like a month prior to this, and it wasn't even full tilt. It was just kind of shitty. Like, it wasn't, yeah. you know— they really didn't pose The Rock in a heel position for this like they should have. And they had, like, a really short-lived run with, like, Deborah as his fucking manager that they just kind of gave up on. I don't know. I, the setup to this was piss poor, but the promo package was fucking great. It made it look like the setup was awesome. But if you watch the shows leading up to it, not so great. The um, – the interview piece between the two of them leading up to this where Austin's like, I got to win, you know, I need this one, that whole thing. That whole part of it was good. That was really the only good piece of business throughout this whole thing up until the match itself. The bell bell work was great. Both guys were vicious. You know, the crowd was hanging on everything everyone, everyone did that was involved at all. Um, the whole Vince being involved thing to me, I really thought in a large way it missed because of his role in the show already. I think that if he had not been involved at all, that it would have made sense. Or if you use somebody else here, that it would have made more sense just because we've already seen so much of Vince throughout this show and this whole smarmy fucking Trish angle thing. He got his ass handed to him. He got kicked in the balls by his wife. He got beat by his son. The crowd's over it. They don't really, you know, Vince isn't the key guy to turn this whole thing here. I didn't think that the crowd gave two shits about Austin and McMahon. I didn't think that they found that part of it monumental. I think that they just liked the match. They liked seeing Austin win. They like, you know, it's fucking Texas. What do you expect? Like, crowd's going to go absolutely apeshit for that stuff. I think the crowd more thought that Vince McMahon turned face in that moment than they thought that Austin turned heel. But for me, I thought the ending of this was botchy in the sense, not, not in the work, in the booking, and it's a four-beer match for me.
0: All right, well, Wex, I'll give you your fucking turn now. <laughs> well, I actually agreed with you. Wow, I went
2: right. five and a half beers with this match. And the only reason that I didn't go six beers is because of the fucking McMahon stuff. Like, that's the only thing... In this match, it usually takes me out of it. And, like, I agree with Jesse. I can I feel like the crowd was just more excited because Stone Cold won the goddamn championship at WrestleMania. It didn't matter if Vince McMahon helped him win it. It did not fucking matter at that point. And I never thought about, like you said, that the crowd probably thought that Vince McMahon was turning face rather than Stone Cold turning heel, which makes a little bit more sense, but I've never really thought about it that way. But, again, that pre-match hype package with My Way by Limp Biscuit, just, man... It's so good. It just, just hits you, hit you so good. It makes you feel so great. And But then again, as soon as that, after that, it makes you feel shitty when you hear Stone Cold coming out to that Disturb song. I'm just like, God damn it. That's all. It just stand up. That's the only thing anybody remembers from that song, just like Kane's song that we were talking about. But damn.
1: k uh, Comparisons think, releasing the Wexley impressions of theme songs Oh, God. Out. Be, oh, you,
2: I honestly, like, I would love to do that, actually. That might be some extra, some, some Patreon YouTube content or something, but, uh, but yeah, I really love how they kind of had the throwback with a sharp shooter, uh, like the Bret Hart WrestleMania stone cold throwback with the rock. Like that was, Ooh, really like that. Grady was still dripping blood. Like these dudes, this was a goddamn, like bell to bell fucking one of the. One of my favorite matches of all time, like like you talk about the Rock Stunner Cell. One of the the ending Stunner is one of the greatest Rock Stunner Cells of all time. Even though he kind of went really close to the ropes, but I think it just kind of like made for it because he was just he didn't give a fuck where he was going because he was just getting fucking stunned. You know, it was just one of those. Fu- and I love the Million Dollar Dream coming back, like the reference to the Ringmaster, the throwback, like so many good callbacks and stuff at this spot, like to this match. And Jr. was prime time 100% on fire Jim Ross in this match he was pure gold like and I love the exchanging of each other's finishers at the end I can't the rock just would not die the rock just fucking was kicking out of everything and just like you like you said it was kind of a double turn because at this point like you kind of had that sympathy for the rock you're like oh my god oh my god he's just like he's gonna pull it off but nah stone code wins like Austin Hill turn sucked, but match ruled. One of my last lines, Jim Ross is gold, five and a half beers, baby.
0: I love stone code. Well, boys, that's going to bring us to the end of the show. So I got to be honest, man, like if we're writing this thing overall, you know, we've always said that like WrestleMania 17 is the greatest of all time. But I, I mean, I, my actual overall rating, I've rated WrestleMania 22 a little bit higher than 17. Well, after I actually averaged out my beer rating, it, it like literally a half a beer higher. I mean, WrestleMania 17 got four beers for me. WrestleMania 22 got four and a half beers. Like I, I don't know how, but it happened. I actually enjoyed WrestleMania 22 more. Um, Wex, just fucking give me your opinion at this point, Jesus.
2: <laughs> I mean, the greatest goddamn one of the greatest goddamn matches of all time in the main event: Stone Cold Steve Austin and The Rock versus. I got. A, I gave a negative beer on the other one. You got a goddamn taking back body drops onto a mattress. Like, shut the fuck up. Yeah, WrestleMania yeah. 17. Don't even fucking come at me with that bullshit. 22 better than 17? Are you fucking kidding me?
0: Yeah, you... I don't know. Uh, I, I, that's that's how, how it worked out. How many beers did you have before this? I had one beer before this.
2: Well, it must have been a high gravity 25% because you're fucking
0: you're gonna catch me outside later uh so uh, jesse what do you think <laughs> about How, where are you out on this
1: if i average by now 17 eeks out over 22 still uh, i just did it close though right it was closer than i would have anticipated if you give i mean here's the thing where 22 failed it failed horrifically where 17 failed i really feel like the high spots had so much hype behind that's them that kind of right, made up right. for it And the whole environment of 22 just, again, seems so much smaller that I think by default, their misses just were much more impactful than the misses on 17. I
0: agree. I agree. That's where I I stand. It is what it is. It is what it is. Okay, so at this point, we're going to say that WrestleMania 17 won the battle, but it was close. It was close in this case. Yeah, I will say 22 is not as...
2: It's not terrible, but, I mean, I gave a negative and... I can't even give anything below a three, I don't even think, on 17, so I could, it's it's obvious. But come on now. You can't deny some of those matches. Mickey versus Trish, the main event, Vince the HBK. I mean, honestly, I think I actually rated Vince in, Vince's street fight in 22 higher than Vince's street fight in 17.
0: Yeah, I mean, that's what I'm saying. Like there, It's because
2: there's... you're the HBK mark, so you're going to choose the HBK heavy. And I'm the Stone Cold mark, so I'm going to choose Stone Cold heavy. It's obvious.
0: I mean, yeah. Well, we might have to we might have to revisit WrestleMania fourteen. I might have to flex my muscles on your ass a little. Well, bit Well, I am about to
2: get that Stone Cold tattoo since you got that HBK tattoo. I have to prove my markness. Well, I mean, I have you'll...
0: to get like a Mike Tyson tattoo. I mean, maybe i Yeah, there you go. You're, maybe, <laughs> okay. I might I might this time though. I might have to uh, kick them pretty teeth down the throat, and you won't hit that the, that spin and stunner. Uh, but you know what? We'll, we'll see how that goes. There might be a time coming up soon where. Me and uh, Mr. Breaking the Lawson might break his ass in the ring if I have to. Um, Day-breaking the Lawson. Yeah, Day-breaking the Lawson. It'll be a match, and then
2: we're going to have a tag team, day the
0: Lawson. I love it. I love it. I love it. I love it. I love, I love where we're going with this, guys. Next week is the big WrestleMania super show. If you listen to last week's show, we got a lot of downloads on the trivia show. We always get a lot of downloads when the KG cast is back on the show. We loved having him on. We I promise you that that will not be the last time he is back hanging out with the full K, K-Fabe crew. Um, but next week's show is a it's four fucking shows on, on one podcast. It's going to be insane. There's so much content to watch. Two nights of NXT versus two nights of WrestleMania, man, this is gonna be probably one of the most like current product heavy. I would say this is probably like the most WWE current product heavy show that we've ever done ever. I mean, even when me and Cass were doing the show, we never did that that much content at once. Um, it's, WWE's it's overwhelming. He's making too much shit. It's overwhelming. It's overwhelming. Wex, how do you feel about doing a uh, two nights of NXT versus two nights of WrestleMania?
2: uh, Yeah, it's going to be a lot of wrestling to watch, but I mean, the show, I'm definitely looking forward to the show, but it's going to be hard to cram in all this wrestling. It's going to be a lot of good shit. I'm really, really looking forward to some of the shit on the NXT card, a few matches on the WrestleMania card. I think uh, I'm going to go have a bold prediction here. I think Tommaso Ciampa versus Walter for the UK
0: title is going to be probably one of the best
2: matches out of all the nights.
0: Well, as we record this on Tuesday, too, it's also been reported that John Cena's scenes for the Peacemaker HBO uh, Max series have all been finalized meaning that that could be a slight giveaway. It's not been reporting on the uh, wrestling dirt sheets, but apparently on the DC sheets, he's done filming, meaning that maybe he will be a surprise guy at WrestleMania. Uh, I could see that for sure. He definitely no sold it. Uh, Jesse, how you feel about doing this massive NXT versus WrestleMania show?
1: I ain't scared of watching a whole lot of wrestling in one shot, motherfucker. I'm for it. We're, uh, you know, it's going to be interesting for sure. I'm definitely more interested in the NXT stuff, I think, at this juncture than I am in the whole of WrestleMania. But let's face it, man. WrestleMania is WrestleMania, and it's got one huge thing going for it this year, which is the first wrestling in front of that big of a live crowd in a very long time, which I got to say, man, there's just a lot of... uh, there are a lot of emotions attached to that kind of thing for me, not just because of wrestling, but live performance in general. And uh, I think that that's going to make a huge difference in how we end up viewing WrestleMania when it's all said and done.
0: No, I completely agree with that. Totally. Uh, I mean, I'm excited about it. It's WrestleMania season, man. It's, it's, it's the most wonderful time of the year. I mean, I'm going to have
2: um, live crowds for the first time. Yeah.
0: Yeah. It's going to be, it's going to be interesting to see. I'm definitely ready for that to roll out um i'm definitely ready for there to be live crowds again there's just something missing i mean uh jesse and i and wex as well are also you know used to music shows and and just crowds of people being in a venue or at an event and not having that for this long just feels completely unnatural and not correct so
3: i'm excited
0: i'm excited to get that thing yeah i'm excited to get that thing rolling again uh, Jesse though, Jesse is kind of, we're, uh, you know, we're, we're peeling back the curtain a little bit. Jesse has been kind of doing some booking for the KFA comparisons podcast. What do we have? I know, you know, I know we're launching the pot, you know, we've, we've, we've told everyone we're launching the Patreon the week after WrestleMania that's definitely going to happen. You're going to at least have two bonus shows. You'll have all my notes that I've ever taken for any other show ever. Um, we're going to start uploading our raw footage, uh, the night that it happens with no edits. Like, if, if somebody stutters out, if somebody fucks up, there's you're going to get to hear us uh, at our most raw moments. That's going to be a really fun time. Five bucks a month. You can't beat it for Patreon. We'll you
1: have able- to promise not to sue me.
0: Yeah, you got yeah, you have to promise. But, Jesse, what do we have the week after the big WrestleMania show? What's the next on our regularly scheduled podcast program?
1: I'm pretty excited about the stuff we got coming up. Week after WrestleMania, right after the, pod, the podcast Patreon launches. We have TNA Lockdown 2006 versus WWF Backlash 2001. Backlash being the show that followed the WrestleMania X7 that we just covered. Love it. TNA Lockdown 2006 is a fantabulous card. I just went back over it the other day. I've watched some of the show already. Man, it's good stuff. Uh, how do you guys feel about little little TNA 06, little WWF 01, Wes?
2: TNA 06 versus WWF 01 is going to be a tough little matchup there because those are both very solid years for both companies. 2001, we've talked about many times, probably one of the best years of WWF and definitely the most prime time of the Attitude Era. And TNA 06, I'm expecting to see some, uh, we've got some AJ Styles, Christopher Daniels on there, some uh, Samoa Joe. Uh, I'm trying to think. I don't know exactly. I haven't looked for the car. I'm just thinking about what was TNA 2006. But
1: it's all kinds of stuff. There's a lot of, uh, I'll, I'll give you a couple of hints, there's a lot of cross-promotional talent in this one. Daniel, how you feeling? Lockdown 06 versus Backlash 01.
0: Dude, you know I'm hype. I mean, like the, I, I do feel like uh, that, that, those, those early to mid-2000s TNA shows are unrivaled, in my opinion, and it's great that they're finally starting to get some shine. I'll be proud to be um, you know one of the podcasts that's really covering that old nostalgia stuff, especially on the TNA side. Um, also, too, don't forget that I actually bought the TNA board game so uh, if you if you want to see uh, the KFA the Holy Trinity play a a game of a a game of a TNA the board game the DVD board game I will say uh, that's gonna happen on the Patreon for sure we're gonna live stream that or, or at least record it and have a full unedited video of, of of us just getting together being jackasses and playing a really oddly put together TNA trivia game that's gonna be fun I'm sure we're all gonna shit the bed on that it's gonna be super fun um but yeah man i mean anytime we can go revisit that also too i mean just continuing the storyline from 2001 wwf i mean you can't go wrong there i'm 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 extremely hyped about everything that we have going on i'm extremely hyped that you guys are here as always be sure to hit that subscribe button leave us a five-star review leave us a rating man we 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 just love being able to do this for you guys it's a good time we have a great time wex where can people find you? I want to go ahead and put you in the front. I'm not going to let you close this time because you're a son of a bitch. All right. You know
2: where you guys can find me at. Once again, it is Wex Breaking the Lawson on Instagram and Wex Breaking the Lawson on YouTube where every Thursday you can find the AEW Dynamite reviews and some other more shit that we're working on coming out on that. And you can find me at Wex Breaking the on Twitter. As Jesse mentioned earlier, we got a eight. Ugh, if I can't even talk right now. We got a goddamn Revive Pro Wrestling show coming up this yes! Saturday and me and Jesse are going to be on commentary once again like I said it's on
0: yeah I'm kind of tired of that bullshit man I'm about to have to invade that shit because I'm not, I'm not having that I'm not being left behind here just like the fucking faceless person behind the goddamn podcast Mike Jesse you know I like you more so where can people <laughs> find you you can find me at
1: Jesse Baker Nash on Instagram and Twitter and regular old Jesse Baker on Facebook. I will echo, look up, Revive Pro Wrestling. KFabe Comparisons is going to continue to help present their shows. We are a sponsor now, and we are going to continue to bring some live wrestling action to your face here in the state of Tennessee.
0: That's right. If you go to a Revive Pro Show and it's because you heard this podcast, be sure to tell them that you came because you listened to this podcast. That would be a uh, massive thing and luxurious. Centerville, Tennessee, exactly. as uh, as Jesse is on, called.
2: Sorry, and be on the lookout on IWTV independent wrestling, independent wrestling TV, our bump of the night show from October is up there, and all of our new previous, I mean previous, all of our new upcoming shows are going to be on independent wrestling TV. So be ready,
0: motherfuckers this fumble fucker man we just gotta get rid of this guy i <laughs> swear to god i'm gonna take him to the woodshed one good time you can always find me at daniel daybreak you can always find the show at KFabeCom. that's gonna do it for us this week we'll see you guys next week for the wrestlemania super show enjoy wrestlemania fucking weekend have a great time we will see you guys next week we're out peace peace